ceiling, raise the debt ceiling, raise the debt ceiling, raise the debt ceiling again, raise the debt ceiling, raise the debt ceiling, raise the debt ceiling, raise the debt ceiling again. Thirty trillion in debt, and yo, we back again. Still printing lots of money, telling all of your friends. I told you this would happen, but you were a doubting Thomas. Thirty is the last trillion I'll ever need. I swear, I promise. Printing and spending for businesses we see hurt. So much theater stimulus, they call me Pee Wee Herman. It's like we're spending junkies, just getting the itch. Can I have another trillion? I promise my district to bridge. It was a crisis before we took the lesson to heart by spending so much money now with Britain pressing the charts spending billions and billions on military gear did any wind up with the enemy what do you want to hear raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling again raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling again back up in the fed and we still super stoked somehow printing lots of money while we working remote still dropping ious in every fun yes sir hamilton started this place that's why the printer goes burr prices are rising at every venue it's bad and for sure that dollar menu looks especially sad gas prices are rising it's getting hard for the competition cost an arm and a leg where am i the saudi consulate inflating the money you should give it a try son and one used to sink your battleship now's what you used to buy one just say the magic word i set the printer a buzz charm and my right out of paper son but guess who never does raise the debt ceiling 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 again raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling again now if you examine the chart and you look close again we borrow more than 40 cents of every dollar we spend non-discretionary spending is at terrible paces do you have a response yes you're racist we should spend most on children we should spend most on patients hear me out why don't we spend most on interest payments we're playing with fire we know the end of the story how do you classify your incompetence transitory objects in the mirror are closer than they seem into a man with the printer each problem looks like a ream but when i'm looking at the folks that we've elected to lead i'm guessing that it won't be long to we're back saying we need to raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling again raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling raise the debt ceiling again let's never do this again Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am your host, Todd Dandruff. What tell us is being brought to you live and recorded live on June 5th, 2023. Just at the beginning of June 5th, 12.14 a.m. right now is the time in the Pacific time zone as I record this and broadcast it live. I am broadcasting this from a secret location in Las Vegas. So it's not that secret. I'm not telling you exactly where I am, but I am in Las Vegas right now. And I did play the World Series. I'll tell you about that. I am right here in all the action. Well, at least as much as I could be. And, of course, there's World Series of Poker Week 1 stories to talk about, as we have every year. And then we have uh, a lot of other stuff to talk about tonight. But one thing I don't have to tell you about tonight is the free roll. Because the show is on at a weird time, and because I didn't announce this in advance, we're just not going to have a free roll. And I apologize for those of you that love the free roll. But there will be one on the next show. Remember, we are doing the show now once every two weeks instead of every week. But the good news is this makes the shows longer. So you can stretch it out for your listening pleasure. And you don't have to cram eight hours of a show into one week. Which I know for some of you, you can do it in one day. But some of you don't have that much time. So now you have more time to listen to the content we put out. So we now do just like a whole lot of content in one shot and then take a break. And that's just easier for me. That's why I do it that way. Anyway, I did mention on the last show that I wasn't sure if I would be able to make it out here this week, but it turns out I could. And I will be missing some of the World Series. That is still a fact. I'm not going to play 
as many events this year as I have in previous years. It's something I can't help. It's not by choice. But uh, I did already play three events, and I'll tell you how those went. And we have a lot of material to cover because it's been more than two weeks, actually, since we were last on. If you want to call the show, the phone number is the same as always. 775-FRAUD-55. 775-372-8355 is the number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. And I'm not very far from Mount Charleston right now. I'm not at Mount Charleston. That would be kind of cool to do a Mount Charleston show. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. 702-430-1808. It's a different line into the show. It's an old 70s rotary phone, which forwards to me wherever I go. But remember, you can't text it. So if you want to text me, please text the show main number, 775-372-8355. And you can call either one during the show. But remember, please call either when I ask for phone calls or as we're winding down a topic, because... I don't want to be interrupted in the middle of talking about something. So if I don't take your call, that's probably why. We have a chat room. If you're listening live, you can go in there. It works on any device. It's not like it used to be where you couldn't go on iPhones or iPads. That restriction no longer exists. If you want to catch the show in the archives, which is how most of you listen to it, we do not get that much live listenership, especially because we're on at weird times like this. But almost everybody listens in archived format. But remember, this is not a traditional podcast where we pre-record everything and then put it up. This is always broadcasted live, 100% of the time, unless otherwise noted. We're broadcasting live where anyone could listen live. So it's both live and in archive podcast format. And if you want to find it in the archives, we're on every platform you can think of except YouTube. So you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the TuneIn app, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, which I recommend because it actually has clickable timestamps so you can jump directly to whatever topic you want to listen to. We are also on CastBox and Bullhorn. And you can also find an MP3 file of the show in the Radio Archives forum, which you can just click on, and it'll work on any device. Or you can download the MP3 and save it. I don't care. So there's a lot of ways to listen. We're even on Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio Podcast. Say it that way. Say it slowly enough to where it doesn't jumble together. And it will play. And if you want to hear the prior episode, you should say, Next kind of backwards, but that's the way Jeff Bezos made it. I don't have control over that. So we're on all those different platforms. And if there's one you'd like me to add it to, except YouTube, which we may eventually come to, but right now we're still not on YouTube. But anything except YouTube you want me to add it to, let me know. You can text me 775-372-8355, and I will consider it as long as it does not cost me too much money. Speaking of something that doesn't cost me too much money, but people like to use to listen to the show, we of course have the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a very simple phone number. You just call up and you listen to the show. It does not require a smartphone. It does not require a computer. It does not require the internet. You don't need a data plan. You don't need an app. None of this. It's just very simple. You pick up any phone that could ever dial and call 518-931-1189. 518-931-1189. It's like streaming for your phone, for any phone, not a smartphone. It can also be a smartphone, but it doesn't have to be a smartphone. Any phone. 
518-931-1189. The great thing about it is that it never buffers and never freezes. That's my guarantee. Three million minutes have been listened to on the call to listen line in its lifetime. And you can add to that. And I don't care. You're not going to run up my bill because I'm not paying per minute. Because if I was, I wouldn't offer it to you. Because that's not worth it to me to give this to you where you charge me per minute. Because I don't have control. But fortunately, it's something where I don't pay by the minute. 518-931-1189, the call to listen line. I will give you our agenda, and then we will get going. We're going to have two main areas of discussion tonight. One of them is the first week of the World Series, and we do this every year where we do the current World Series of Poker stories. So these are going to be week one stories. Next show is going to be weeks two and three stories, etc., until it's over. We're also going to have in-depth coverage of the now-concluded four-day Hustler Casino Live million-dollar game, because some interesting stories came from that, some of which you've probably heard and can guess what we're going to talk about, and some things which really are not being talked about that much, but I think we need to mention anyway. And we're going to talk again about old Mickey Maz, who once appeared on the show and is acting shady once again, and it has to do with Hustler Casino Live this time. And it's an ongoing controversy, so of course we've got to cover that. I've had a lot of people asking me, can you cover Mickey again? And my answer is yes, we will do that tonight as part of the Hustler Casino Live segment. Then we have plenty of other stories. If neither of these groups of topics interest you, we have plenty of other stories. I had a very frustrating experience with WSOP.com. My cashier has been disabled as a fallout from the BetMGM and Global Pay thefts that I was a victim of in October 2022. If you remember, we covered that extensively. I had $10,000 stolen from my bank account. And if you want to hear all about that, you can go back to the shows from the fall of 2022 and hear all about that, or you can Google it with my name. You'll see plenty of coverage, including on Poker Fraud Alert, of course. But anyway, as a fallout from that, my cashier on WSOP.com has been disabled, and this is my first time attempting to play there since October. I just, I've been to Vegas several times since October. I just haven't uh, had a need to go into the WSOP.com cashier until very recently here, and then I found out the bad news. So I'll explain what happened, and I'll explain why it's so hard to fix. And I'm not really blaming the World Series or Caesars for this. This is a global payments issue. But I'll get to the whole thing when we do that segment. Mike Gorodinsky had a nightmarish situation occur. This is something that every... Imagine going to your box where you're expecting a lot of cash and or chips you have stored in that box to be available to you when you need them to play poker, and your box has been cleaned out. It's empty. Isn't that a freaking nightmare? I bet every single person with a safe deposit box that plays poker has thought of this at one point. Like, what if my box is open and it's empty? What if someone got into it and cleaned it out? I know I've thought that before. It's never happened to me, but I've thought about it. Well, this happened to Mike Gordinsky, he says. And when I say he says, I will get into why it may not be what it appears to be. I'm not saying he's lying. I'm sure he's not lying. But there could be some confusion. So we'll discuss what did or did not happen 
to Mike Gordinsky and his box at the Bellagio. It's an interesting story, and it's not getting very much coverage. Speaking of things that one always fears involving money and poker, when you travel for poker or any kind of casino gambling, if you have money on you or if you have other expensive things or other things you don't want stolen from your room, maybe it's uh, jewelry, maybe it's cash, maybe it's a computer, whatever it might be, you have something in your room that's valuable and you leave the room and don't take it with you, you probably at some point have thought, I hope I don't come back and find that the maid has stolen it. Well, this has happened. Not to any poker player, to my knowledge, but it has happened in Las Vegas at the Vidara, and $768,000 worth of items were stolen from a few rooms combined. And it was by the maid, so I'll tell you about that. Dice sliding is something that is illegal at the game of craps. Dice sliding is a way you throw the dice that does not qualify as a valid roll, and some people will try to do it on purpose to cheat. So there was a dice sliding scheme at the Cosmo, but it was on one of the electronic tables. So I'll explain what an electronic craps table is and what the scheme was and how these people got caught. A weird pop-up casino appeared for eight hours in Las Vegas. And when I say a pop-up casino, I mean like a tent was quickly put up. A casino was set up in the tent for eight hours, and then it was shut down. This sounds like something totally illegal that just some person did hoping that gaming wouldn't catch them in those eight hours. But that's not what happened. Gaming knew all about it and approved it. So why was there a pop-up casino for eight hours? I will tell you about it. Finally, a new steakhouse has opened in Las Vegas. Not on the Strip, it's really aimed at locals, but they are doing something unusual and it is causing some controversy on social media. They are charging a 22% service charge, but then are encouraging you not to tip. So we will discuss this and whether I feel this is a good idea or bad idea. So that is our show. As you can imagine, it's going to be pretty long because we have two big topics with a lot of subtopics and all these other topics that are going to be long with it. So I better get going. Let's start talking about the World Series. The World Series of Poker is once again at Bally's in Paris. The only change is that Bally's is not called Bally's anymore. It's now called the Horseshoe. I've had a lot of people ask me, What is the horseshoe like inside, since it became horseshoe? Now, this was not the first time I've been to the horseshoe. I've actually been there several times. I'm talking about the new horseshoe, a.k.a. Bally's. Prior to the World Series, I've been to it since it's been changed to horseshoe. So uh, it's not like I'm just discovering this right now. But uh, since it's relevant right now, I will answer it. It's basically Bally's. They did very, very little to change how it looks. In fact, someone said to me, I heard all they did is change the carpet. And I said, yeah, you're pretty much right. That's really the only notable change is they changed the carpet to have horseshoes on them. Yeah, they changed the steakhouse to be called the Jack Binion Steakhouse, but who cares? It's like rebranding. But if you think you're going to walk into the horseshoe, a.k.a. Bally's, and feel like you're back in the downtown Binion's Horseshoe, you're not. You're going to feel like you're in Bally's. It looks just like Bally's. So 
in case you wanted the authentic horseshoe experience coming to Las Vegas, uh, don't book the horseshoe for that reason. They ran this at Paris and Bally's last year as the inaugural year at the new location. Prior to that, it was at the Rio, going all the way back to 05, from 05 to 21. And prior to 05, it was at Binion's Horseshoe. This was the first venue change since 05, and that took place last year. And it was mostly a success. People were pretty happy with the change. They were pretty happy being center strip and having a lot more options where you can stay and be able to walk to the series and being right there in the center of the action and having more food options you can get to easily. There are a lot of advantages to be at Paris and Bally's versus the Rio. And as far as the growing pains of changing the venue workout, but a complete perfection with something of this magnitude. And I understand that. You know, as much as I like to laugh at Caesar's fail, and there's plenty, believe me, I do also have to acknowledge that this is a very, very large event and a lot of potential points of failure, especially when you move to a new venue. When you've been at the same place for a while and keep failing the same way over and over, that's where it's stupid. That's where it gets more frustrating, and that's where I have the harshest criticism. Last year, you know, I I knew that it couldn't be perfect, and I thought they did pretty well with the transition. But this is not a transition year. Other than the name changing, it's all basically the same as last year. Now, one thing is different this year, and that is causing a lot of trouble for poker players. That is the traffic. And the traffic is something that is not the fault of Caesars at all. This is just an unfortunate fact of life of something that's going to be going on in Las Vegas in November, and they're preparing for right now, and it's really becoming an inconvenience, and it happened to smack right into the World Series. It was just kind of bad luck that this is taking place at the same time. So as you probably have heard, and we've talked about on this show, there's that big F1 race that is coming in November, where there's actually going to be race cars going around and in back of the strip. Like the racetrack is going to be the Las Vegas strip and some surrounding streets. And you're going to be able to watch this from, from hotels and from stands they're going to set up. It's crazy. Like when I heard this, I go, that's insane. But for some reason they're doing it. And it's a very expensive thing to prepare for. So one of the, expensive things they have to do to prepare for it that a lot of people didn't think of is repave the streets. Because it's one thing to have streets that are suitable for just regular automobiles to drive on. But it's another thing for these race cars that they need a much higher quality street without flaws and potholes and all that to be able to race without that becoming an issue. So they've started this massive repave paving job and that happens to be going on right now it was actually supposed to be done by may 19th and for whatever reason it fell behind now the whole job wasn't supposed to be done by may 19th but the las vegas boulevard portion was supposed to be done by may 19th and then Harmon avenue connecting to las vegas boulevard was supposed to be done by may 26th 
and the rest of it was going to be kind of in the back of the strip to the east, like uh, Coval Lane and, and a few other small streets. So it looked like, according to that schedule, it was not going to interfere with the World Series of Poker. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it fell behind, which I guess isn't surprising with the government. This is being paid for by the city. I'm not sure if some of the money came from elsewhere, but uh, it doesn't really matter. This is a government project, and it's behind, and it is wreaking havoc upon traffic in the area, as you might imagine. Driving on the Las Vegas Strip is never easy, unless it's like four in the morning. I'm sure if you've been to Vegas and you've either driven yourself or attempted to take a taxi or an Uber, you've sometimes been stuck in horrendous bumper-to-bumper traffic that barely moves, and that's when there's no construction and no accidents and no issues. Imagine that plus them closing several lanes to do repaving. And it's not even the repaving that you might picture for like when they repave the street in front of your house. That's actually a pretty quick job, and it doesn't require tearing up the streets. It's, it's something they can do pretty easily. This is a major job because they have to make the streets that these cars are going to race on appropriate for these race cars to use. So they fully close certain lanes and tear them up, and it's, it takes a long time to put it all back together and, and then pave it properly. So this is affecting the World Series of Poker if you are driving from somewhere else within Las Vegas. So if you are planning to come to the World Series of Poker, be aware that this construction is still all over the place. You should check either Google Maps or Apple Maps if you have an iPhone and take a look if the traffic is really backed up. If you see dark red anywhere on the map, which means it's basically almost not moving, that's the worst traffic color, dark red being the bumper-to-bumper not moving, red meaning slow but moving slowly, orange meaning kind of slow, yellow meaning moving but not that fast, and green meaning moving without any kind of... uh, Slow down. So if you see dark red, then avoid the area. Find ways to go around it. So a lot of poker players have been complaining about this who stay elsewhere, as well as Las Vegas locals who, of course, have houses or apartments or condos and they have to drive to the World Series of Poker that they are running into this. So that has been one of the issues that has been dogging some players and taking them by surprise. So it's something that you can eventually find a workaround, and there are back ways in. There are other ways into Paris and into Bally's, a.k.a. the Horseshoe. So don't necessarily go on the Las Vegas Strip if it's backed up. If it's not backed up, then go ahead. Just check your map all the time. Fortunately, we have apps that show us this. But don't just be the typical dumb tourist who figures there's only one way to get places. There's a lot of back roads in Vegas. In fact, I met up with a listener yesterday, and we went to dinner, and I took a number of back roads to get to where we were going, which wasn't in the touristy area of Vegas. And he was pretty confused by like all the little back roads that were being used to navigate around the area. And I said, 
believe me, very few tourists know about these roads. And of course, I know about them from living in Vegas for a number of years. But you can look these up on your phone. It's not like this is a secret. It's just things people don't know about. So this is the time to look at alternate routes if you need them. Just letting you guys know that. Before the series began, a ruling was made about GTO Wizard and other solvers. And this has been a controversy ever since a poker player was found in L.A. at Gardens Casino using GTO Wizard, which I'll explain shortly what that is, in between hands. And a guy recorded him in an altercation with another player. So let me give you the backstory first, because you won't really understand the controversy unless you listen to the little argument that occurred, which again, wasn't at the World Series. It took place in May, but it started up a whole controversy and a whole debate about whether GTO Wizard and similar tools should be used at the table between hands, whether this is okay or if it's something that should be outlawed. And it's not totally straightforward what the answer should be. I have a very strong opinion, but I will concede that it's not something that is black and white obvious. It's something that you have to think about before you come to your conclusion, and you may not come to the same conclusion as me. So I'm going to play you from May 23rd, Someone recorded this at the table. The person who recorded it was not involved in this altercation. But this was an altercation between a player named Andrew Esposito and another player named Peter Cross, who was calling him out. Andrew was the one who was using GTO Wizard. And he later admitted he was. In fact, he admitted he was in this video. And then later he also admitted it on Twitter Spaces. So there's no question that Andrew was doing this. But the question is... Was this something he shouldn't be able to do? So listen to this argument at the WPT Gardens event at Gardens Casino in the LA area, and then I will tell you how it applies to the World Series of Poker. Hey, what are you talking about? Okay, using GTO Wizard. I see you through your reflective down, sunglasses. You're using Wizard the whole time. That's Peter Cross. So remember, the reason this kind of just starts in the middle of an argument is because someone whipped out their phone to record this because they thought it was interesting after the argument had already broken out. So it'd be great if we can go back to the very beginning of this, but you can't go back in time. So this is all we have. One hand. So Andrew Esposito just said one hand. That's very important. So he's admitting he used it. He's not saying, no, I didn't use GTO Wizard. You're a liar. He says one hand. So he's admitting that he did look up how to play one hand or how he should have played one past hand on GTO Wizard while at the table. Let's go on. Using GTO Wizard the whole time, and bro. What's your plan? What's so your why plan? is it unreasonable for me to use in your right to ask you to stop using it respectfully? And you make a big deal out of it. You're actually, I'm the one who's tripping. You're tripping. You're tripping. You're tripping. Now, there's a floor man who is trying to calm down Peter Cross and treating Peter Cross like he's the problem. And he's basically telling him that he's being too loud and he's... Uh, he should have come to him with it, which, okay, I can understand why the floor man would want that, but at the same time, I think that's not what the focus should be on here. Okay, so that's it. The interesting part of this comes from the fact that Esposito does not deny that he was using it, and he's very flippant and arrogant about it. He's like, what's your point? What's your point? And in fact, he at first says he only did it for one hand, 
But then when Peter Cross kept saying, you're using it the whole time, the whole time you're using it, then Andrew Esposito says, and? So he doesn't even fight very hard when it goes past one hand. When he's like, no, 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 it was more than one hand. You were using it the whole time. Instead of saying, no, it was only once. You didn't see the whole time. You're lying. Instead, he's just like, and? And? What's the issue? What's the issue? So it kind of seems like he's admitting to that, too. Let's listen again to that part of it. I see you through your reflective sunglasses using Wizard the whole time. One hand. Using G2 Wizard the whole time, bro. You're in a hand. So why is it unreasonable for me to use in your right to ask you to stop using it respectfully? And you make a big deal out of it. You're actually, I'm the one who's tripping. You're tripping. You're tripping. So he just keeps saying, you're tripping. You're tripping. Very, very flippant and nasty about it here. It's not like he's saying, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was bothering you, or, hey, look, I know you don't like it, but the rules allow it, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Instead, he's just going, and, and, you're tripping, you're tripping. Like, he's just very, very unapologetic and nasty about it, back to Peter Cross, who's very pissed off that Andrew will not stop using it, even after he was asked to stop using it. So what is GTO Wizard? Let me explain that. GTO Wizard is a solver. It is something you can use in your phone, and you enter various parameters. You enter how many big blinds you have, how many big blinds your opponents have, what your cards are, what your position is, and you plug all these numbers in to describe the hand that you're in, and then it will give you suggestions according to its calculations as to what is game theory optimal, which this app, it, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to give you, to the best of its ability to calculate, what is the optimal play in your situation. Now, clearly using this during hands is almost like botting. That's directly cheating. So nobody's arguing that you should be able to use this during a hand at a live tournament. And even Andrew Esposito is not arguing that, nor is he accused of doing that. He's accused of using it between hands. So you might say, okay, well, what's the problem between hands? Because once you're out of the hand, shouldn't this just be your time to do what you want? Some people use GTO Wizard to look up the hand they just played. So they play a hand a certain way, and they say, well, it's fresh in my mind right now. I made a certain play, but I wonder if it was correct. And if it wasn't, then I want to learn what I did wrong, so next time I'm in a similar situation, I can play better. So that's what uh, Andrew claimed he was doing. However, you can also look it up for future hands. Now, you might say, future hands? What? How will you know what hand you're going to be dealt in the future? Well, you won't. However, it can give you advice about what to do in situations such as late in a tournament or the mid-stages, whatever, when you're to the point where you're going to have to decide what to do with your entire stack. So should you open shove? If so, what hands should you open shove with? And what hands should you three-bet shove with? Things like that. You know, you always get to that point in the tournament where you have to make a decision of, okay, I've got this many chips. If I get this hand or better and nobody's raised yet, I'm going to go all in. If I get this hand or better, if someone raises, I'm still going to go all in because my hand, I think, is still good enough to do it at this point. Or even if there's a raise and re-raise, will I still go all in with this hand? And you, you have to think about this. And sometimes you do think about it beforehand. I know I do when I'm sitting at a tournament short-stacked. 
of what my move is going to be before I'm even dealt the cards going forward. Because I'd like to do that so I'm not in the heat of the moment and then sometimes making a wrong decision based upon being nervous or emotion. I can think of it when I'm more calm and I haven't been dealt the hand yet. I'm not in the situation yet. So GTO Wizard can help you calculate the GTO move in these spots. So that's where it can be very advantageous as far as future hands you're going to play, which I think is a big problem. I also think it's a problem to immediately be able to look up the hands you've just played, because then what if a similar spot comes up a few hands later, or even an hour later, whatever it might be, you'll have learned what you did wrong, and you can actually improve while you're sitting at the table. So I have felt, and I've always felt this way, that especially with live poker, the only things you should be able to consult should be your five senses and your brain. And that's it. Anything that you cannot observe on your own or figure out on your own without the help of tools or other people should not be allowed during tournaments. If you want to improve after, that's fine. If you want to quickly look up some things while you're on a break, that's fine. If you want to look up things while you're between days, if you're done with day one and you think, hmm, I think I messed up some hands. Let me go reconstruct these on GTO Wizard and then try to improve between days. Okay, that's fine. But while you're actually sitting at the table, while the tournament is in play, you should not be able to consult tools because that's cheating. Because number one, not everybody has access to these tools. Not everybody knows about these tools. Not everybody would even be able to understand how to use them. A lot of people take that for granted. They say, oh, well, anyone can get them. Oh, people know about them. Well, a lot of people don't know about them, especially recreational players. And a lot of people just don't enjoy or wouldn't know how to use these. People are just here to play poker and have fun. They don't want to be sitting here with a tool like GTO Wizard entering in all this data. They just want to sit there and play. So this really shouldn't be part of the environment at all. And believe me, there's some people, especially older people, not saying all older people, but there's plenty of older people who would have a hard time understanding how to use these tools. It just should not be part of live poker. There should not be a tool which you can use to be able to improve or give you advice while you are actually in play at the tournament, even if it's not in the middle of a hand, even if it's to check what you just did, or if it's to predict situations you might be in soon and get advice on that. It's still wrong because you're still getting advice from an automated tool, which is helping you play that others don't have access to. Now, if they want to hand out GTO wizard to everybody who wants to use it, and if you don't have a device with you, give you a device with it, and then a tutorial on how to use it and make it part of the tournament where you can enter this all in and have this be the GTO Wizard-assisted tournament, okay, you have a tournament like that. I think it's stupid, but at least it would be fair. But since they don't have that, they should not allow people to use this because it is giving people an edge, no matter how big or how small. I don't think it's a huge edge, but any edge, even a 0.0001% edge that you'd get from it, which it's a lot larger than that, but even if that, it should not be allowed because it's an edge you shouldn't have. You should not be getting an edge from tools, from automated tools, while you're playing live poker. I think that's absurd. One second. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I just noticed the uh, PFA radio phone was off. Let me uh, 
connect somebody on here who wants to be part of the show. Hello? Hello? What's going on? What kind of rinky-dink operation are you running over here? Some women in the Philippines to get on the radio now? That, well, she assisted you. It worked. <laughs> she did assist me. Wait, what? what, what? Am I on? You're on the show, yeah. We're on the show, yeah. Okay, so a couple things here. What kind of thing is this now that you call them, someone's room at a secret location that I happen to know, and they tell me that their policy is not not to connect you, that they will arrange the call for you? What the (laughs) hell does that even mean? Yeah, well, yes. So what's happened is uh, Brandon was trying to reach me. And I had forgotten to turn on the PFA phones with everything else I was doing here. Well, and Skype. And Skype, too. Is well, on. but it's, it's all connected together. So it's, it's either they're all on or nothing's on. So anyway. What kind of show is this? What are you running over here? Well, it's, 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 as I said, it's, it, what, it's uh, all connected together. I forgot, never... I forgot to do one. Th- I'm not making the money Art Bell made. So I, I can't uh, be compared to him. He's also dead. That, what's his name? That Alex Jones. He has an interactive Skype number. He also he well, makes even more money than Art Bell did. I mean, if I got Alex Jones money, I would have uh, not only the phones working all the time, but I'd have an assistant running the whole thing. But a- anyway, so the Filipino lady says to me, literally in a foreign country, that let me that she'll speak with you and reach out and see if you'll accept my call. What is that a new policy? Yes, I've never heard of such a. Well, yeah, I didn't know because nobody calls me on that phone, but they just call my regular phone, which which I had turned off so you guys. Uh, don't hear my no, phone. No, the room phone, I mean. No, I know. I'm just explaining to the audience what was happening. So Brandon was oh. trying to reach me. He couldn't call the radio phone because I hadn't turned it on. I forgot. Then he tried to reach me on my cell phone, but I had the notifications off so it doesn't respond, distract me. On, you respond, I'm busy on radio. Well, I didn't know you wanted to come on. I thought you were just uh, talking about well, other read, things. Read, read, read the text message. I read the first. Well, says, hello. I know. I, hello. I saw that after. There, I saw that after, hello. but. Hello? Anyway, the, yeah. Hello? so he tried to call the room, and he got uh, the Philippines, because uh, now when you try to call the front desk, even within the hotel, at a lot of these properties, when I say a lot of these, I mean like a ton of Vegas Strip properties now do it this way. It's MGM and also Caesars. Yes. So that encompasses 80% of the Strip. Yeah. So if you are in the room and pick up the phone and dial zero or front desk or whatever not only don't you get an employee at the actual front desk now it's been that way for a long time where they transfer you to a call center that's uh not in the hotel but prior to the pandemic you would always get people who were based in vegas but now that's not the case anymore. the last time i called the cosmo to get some towels a nice lady encouraged me to try the off season and come to bali <laughs> Go on. so you get the Philippines now who pretend they're at the front desk. They don't even like say they're at an offshore call center. They go, you know, thank you for calling whatever hotel. Yeah, how may I help you? And is this the front desk? Oh yeah, this is the front desk. And then of course they're they're never as good or competent as actual employees. Forget that at the front desk. I mean even like in a Las Vegas call center. So uh, anyway, what happened here and Brandon tried to call me in the room, they wouldn't connect him even though he had my name and he knew where I was staying. They would not connect him. They had to call me first and get permission to be able to be connected. And I just, since I was in the middle of the show, I just told him I'll call him here on the show. But uh, to show you how much things have changed. Wait, 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 did you tell her, did you tell her that, that you'll connect me to the show? I, I said that I'll text him. I told her to give him the, that message. Did she give you that message? Wait, so what did she ask you? She did asked. Did you accept the call? She said there's a Brandon Gerson. Well, she's like, there's a Brandon uh, Gerson uh, who is uh, willing, who wants to speak to you. Do you wish to take his call? 
And I said, just tell them I'm going to text them and I'll get a hold of them there. It's kind of interesting. You kind of have your own personal concierge phone, but, you know, messenger. Yeah, that's not that bad that I have, like, my own uh, answering service that screens my calls. That that is kind of cool. Well, that helps you because remember back in the day, you would get a lot of of calls once they found out your secret location. Yeah, well, I just took took the phone off the hook for that reason so people can't uh, try to hassle me during the show. Well, they won't bother you. They'd bother the – No, but then the Philippines will bother me. But yeah, you know, to show you how much it's changed, in uh, 1988, I was at the Beverly Hilton, and I knew that Ronald Reagan was staying there at the time, and he was the then current president. I hope he didn't do no. I hope he didn't do no cocaine in the bathtub. No, that that happened uh, about 25 years later. But uh, you know what I'm talking. Yeah, about. I know. I know. No, I know exactly what you're talking. Five years. No, 1988. You were there. Yeah. So she died in 2008. So it'd be 20 years later. Uh, Okay. No, no, wasn't Go it? On. She didn't die in 2008. I think it was 13. Or 13. Okay. All right. Well, you knew the reference right away. For those that don't know what we're talking about, that's how Whitney Houston uh, passed away. Well, not only did she not only did she die in the bathtub there from a cocaine overdose, but uh, by a total sheer coincidence that I couldn't believe when I figured it out, she died in the room that I was standing in front of when I had my first kiss ever in 1989. She was in front of you? No, not she was. I was standing in front of that exact room when I had my first kiss ever in 1989. Maybe that was her. Maybe she was around the corner and that was her uh, her inspiration for I Will Always Love You. <laughs> so all those years later, I, I couldn't believe when I heard she died in that hotel. I'm like, that'd be so funny if it was that room. It was that room. It was that exact room I was standing in front of. That was not my room, so I couldn't go in the room. Oh, but you weren't. Yeah, I was going to say, you weren't firing to stay in those kind of rooms back then. No, it's no, no, no. It's got to be a nice room, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it was a very nice room. I couldn't afford that. I was 17 years old. But and let me ask you, since we're talking about it, I see that sometimes, you know, when I want to go to California, it's on my little Hilton app. And sometimes with points and stuff, you know, they have a good deal. You know, I can stay there. What is is it? Is it a nice? Is it run down? What's the deal with that? It's, it's, it's probably is run it like down by landmark? now because it's, it's, it's old. And what happens is with those type of properties, they kind of live on name only. So people go there expecting something really nice, and they realize it was nice in 1989 and, and not anymore. I mean, they really have to keep these hotels up aggressively unless uh, they want it to turn into kind of a dump. So that's that's what happens with that'd a lot of like these. That'd be like Jerry Lewis dying. That'd be like Jerry Lewis dying at the Rio in like the 90s, early 90s, and then we think, oh, the Rio, Jerry Lewis was there. <laughs> then we go there, you know, right? You know well, so to be fair, though, when uh, when Whitney Houston died, it wasn't in the 80s. Obviously, it was in the 2010s, so that was uh, yeah. it wasn't that long ago. But it was so weird finding out that was that same room. And I figured it out because they eventually showed where it was. And it was a very memorable location because it was around a corner. And that's why I was there, because I was looking for somewhere to go with that girl that's kind of away from everybody. And I didn't have a room there. I was just there, and she was there. And we were trying to just find somewhere to secluded and we went around this corner and there's just one door there so that's why we were standing in front of that room how how did it get out in the public the room number because normally hotels are pretty low-key quiet on that the room number didn't get out but they they explained the location enough to where i was able to deuce the exact room and it was that one of course you did yeah i I was pretty shocked but anyway uh but when i tried to call reagan when I was there the previous year. This wasn't the same year I, I had the kiss. There. Reagan the president? Yes, I tried to call. Reagan was staying there the same time as I was there a previous time in 88, when I was 16. And Reagan when I was 16, there was, no, there was no girl. It was just me. But I, I picked up the phone, and I tried to reach Reagan from an in-house phone, 
and the dummies actually connected me up there, and I got the Secret Service answering the phone. And then I I asked to speak to him, and they they asked who's calling, and I was kind of caught off guard by that question. Should have said I would have said Jimmy Carter. Well, I just said a friend. (laughs) So that didn't work but the funny thing is like they didn't just hang up on me they said that he's in the bathroom right now and they have to call back later what year is this this is 88 88 they're actually putting you through the president of the united states yeah they put me through so the funny thing is it was easier to get through to the president of the united states on the hotel phone in 88 than it was for you to get through to me today how does that feel yeah he didn't have the philippines screening his calls but i do so that, I said hmm. that's progress, though. You know, thirty-five years now, later. If you, got, if you would have got Reagan on the line, what, were you prepared to say something? I thought about that after I hung up. I was so sure I wasn't going to get through that I didn't even think of what I'm going to say to him. I, I, I picked up the phone and I had a few thoughts. Like, one, should I do this at all, or are they going to like send the Secret Service to arrest me if I even try this? And like, two, should I even come up with something to say, or is it so unlikely that I shouldn't bother? So I, I decided, okay, I'll try, and I'm not going to bother thinking of what to say because there's no way I'll get him. And I don't know what would have happened if he wasn't in the bathroom. I, I'm sure they wouldn't have just put him on the phone, but uh, maybe they would have asked more questions about what friend I was. And uh, this was right after my voice had changed, too. So I sounded very similar to how I sound now. So I didn't sound like a kid. That was one advantage I had. Where if I had called like just months before that, I would have sounded like a little kid. So... I did have that going for me, that they thought I was an adult calling. But aside from that, uh, I didn't really have a good story as to why I needed to reach him. It would have been funny if I imitated uh, Jimmy Carter had called up. That would have uh, – wonder what they would have said to that. <laughs> you have told him you had some inside information on the Iran-Contra scandal. Yeah. That, that would have been a – that would have been a – yeah, that would have well, been – t- get, get back to the – how do you run a show without Skype on, the call to listen the, the, or the – No, the call, call to listen line. works. Yeah, the, the call in line did not work. It works now. But, okay, you're, you're, you're here with us. Uh, I was talking about, uh, when you were trying to call in here, the GTO Wizard thing. How do you feel about, like, usage of that type of stuff in live tournaments? No, it's absolutely cheating. Yeah, I think I think so, too. There's so not any, there, There's not even any, there shouldn't be any debate. No, well, so I'll tell you, no. the, other, the other side of it comes from Matt Berkey. And he's not the only one who feels this way, but he was very vocal about this. I don't know why he's just very, very obsessed with this being allowed because I don't even think he does this at the table. It's not like he's using it all the time. Probably his, running. But Matt, Matt Berkey had, that out, maybe. <laughs> Matt Berkey had a, a number of uh, debates about this on uh, mm. Twitter spaces with me and other people. And he was insisting that this is, this is okay because it's something you can't stop. And we just have to accept this is, technology that is moving forward and rather than trying to hold it back just make it allowed and make rules as to when you can use it well first off let me say i ain't big on that twitter spaces now i can't get into specifics but i only tuned into it once a friend of mine happened to be on it and it was a complete ambush and i said to myself after that no more of these twitter spaces are no good yeah they are they are kind of uh, fail only once in a while are they interesting but yeah, we we had you know a, the ambush a I'm speaking of? yeah yeah I know about that. So okay, I'm just saying, I had a few debates with him about this. I, th- I think two debates I had at two different times since the last show, and neither of us was convincing the other. 
And there were others who agreed with him. As I said, it wasn't just him. But then there were others who agreed with me. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's pretty obvious. It's just very simple. You should not have any kind of external tools that help you, no matter how much or how little they help you, because it's not mm-hmm. fair to everybody else, and I see it as cheating. So anyway, this subject became a hot-button issue, and everybody was wondering how they were going to handle this at the upcoming World Series, because this really got thrust into the spotlight because of this Esposito kid in late May, and here a week later, the World Series was coming. So you knew that they were going to have to make some sort of ruling on this, and I was wondering which way they were going to go, because there is one issue, and that is enforcement, where it is kind of difficult to enforce. And that's, Berkey kept throwing that in my face. Oh, how are you going to enforce this? Or are you going to, you're going to have everyone's phones inspected? What if someone makes an allegation? Then do you have to hand over your phone because it's been uh, alleged? You know, that's a violation of privacy. So I said back, I agree enforcement will be difficult, but not impossible. For example, they have cameras. If the camera catches someone using it, you don't need to confiscate their phone. And furthermore, if you make a strict rule against it, then it's a big deterrent because nobody wants to be disqualified. Nobody wants to be banned. It's very important to most World Series players to not get banned and not to be disqualified. So just saying you can't use this and if you do, you're going to get very harsh consequences, that will stop like almost all usage because it's just not worth it. The edge you're getting from it isn't big enough to chance getting a ban or disqualification. So you don't have to worry about enforcement if... The consequences. Remember the guy that got banned for taking off all his clothes at the table, and <laughs> yeah. then he said the Venetian were trying to. He was going to bomb the Venetian. And yes, yeah, that, that, that guy Trump, was. That guy Trump was supporting him. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, that guy was lovely. Yeah, that uh, Ken. I forget his last name. Ken something, and he uh, he pulled down his pants. He went all in with any two cards at the main event in the first level, and announced he was going to before he was dealt his cards, and then did it. And then uh, while someone was waiting to see what to do. Uh, he actually pulled down his pants and, and exposed himself. And then he exposed himself a few and more then times. there's that one guy, oh, I can't think of his name. He got kicked out uh, from the WSOP, not even during the tournament, because he was throwing, he broke up with his girlfriend. He started throwing her clothes out y- the yes, window. Yes, that, that was uh, Carter Real, Gill. Yeah, uh, Carter Gill. What is it? Carter yeah, Gill. And the most talked about <laughs> ban in recent times was a ban that I felt was wrong. And that was where uh, Luke Rabel, a.k.a. Slay Dog, was banned because he had a big argument with the floor man because Matt Affleck's girlfriend was talking shit to him during the final table of the uh, uh, Colossus event. The first Colossus, Luke made the final table, as did Matt Affleck, and Matt Affleck's girlfriend and, her, and his friends were yelling at Luke, and he felt it was distracting, and the floor man wasn't stopping it. So then Luke got up and had a big argument with the floor man, and uh, and then after the event, he was just talking so much trash about this floor man on Twitter that they actually banned him from all Caesars properties. And it took five years to get back. He just got back last year. And at the time, we had him on the show. And I get along with Luke now. But, uh, you know, there's some points when, when he even had me blocked. We never had a major beef. But there were points he, you know, he didn't care for me very much. But I, the whole time I was consistent that I said this was a bad ban. And, and this... And then 2007, the ban of all bans, right before the World Series started, Caesars released a list, or I don't know, an email. They started emailing people, and there was a whole ton of people banned, not for doing anything for wrong. Do you remember what they were all banned for? No. 
being plus EV video poker. Players. Oh yes, I remember that. With and uh, ended up getting a lot of notoriety because Richard Brody was. Yeah, there. I was just about to mention Richard Brody that he got banned. He wrote it on his blog and asked for it's help. All for video poker. Yes, all, and then they told them they could not play in the World Series of what us. So, and they obviously backtracked on that. At least they did for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that so, was yeah. stupid. Those were some of the famous. Uh, yeah. So if they if they, if they put guy that won a bracelet last year that was banned for like three or four years for his temper and that made big news because he won a bracelet. Do you, know, do you remember? Uh, you talked about him on the show. He had been gone for like three, four years. They finally let him back. He won a bracelet last year. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The the one who had been back after five years was Luke Rabel, but he doesn't have a bracelet. No, there was another person, too. Uh, I don't. There, there was no, another guy no. who was banned... Uh, who had like torn up cards, but that ban lasted like three days because uh, Helmuth got it undone for him. So he was, he definitely wasn't banned for years. He yeah, got that was that guy. Uh, that's a big name guy. What was his name? Um, I know who he is. That guy had a temper. He, he didn't have a, Oh Jesus. It was in a deuce to seven tournament too. I remember that. No limit deuce. He ripped up the cards. Yeah. All right. Well, either way. Okay. But anyways, so, back to the, get- the GTO. I, I think it, it's unequivocally, it's cheating, and I don't know, you know, you're on that, that Twitter, you know, on that spaces. I've seen a lot lately of people all around the nation uh, posting pictures of other people on their phone doing it, trying to shame them. Yes, and, like and I think that's good. in California the other day where it was a WPT tournament. Yeah, no, I just talked about that, somebody- yeah. That's that's what kind of oh, okay. got got this whole thing going. So anyway, I'll, I'm going to read. Cheating. Yeah, I, I agree. It's I agree. It's cheating. Even well, if, did you see? Did you see the Matt, uh, Matt Savage, the Jack Effel? Yes, I was about to get to that. It? Yes, that was the next I thing I'm talking about. All, I don't even run no damn radio show, and I'm ahead of you, <laughs> telling you to turn on the Skype. How are you running a show without forgetting to turn on your Skype? We've already been over this. I mean, it it doesn't. It just seems unconscionable to me. Okay. Now listen, two other things, real real fast. We will harp on it. First off, I just want to say. Okay, the three things. I want to tell everyone, I, I took Druff out for lunch today. Okay, we went to a buffet. It's a secret location, though. We're not going to talk about where, but it used to be owned by the Blackstone Group, for those of you sleuths at home. And it was a nice buffet. And I'll say something right here. It was a comp. But if I had actually, both of our meals, you know, it's still a $140 buffet. If I had paid cash for Druff like a treat, you know, it's his birthday or whatever, I would have been very disappointed in the amount of food he consumed, I would have a thousand percent thought I didn't get the value for the dollar. Now his first plate, he goes and he gets very, very weird. He gets a Euro, which is fine. That's normal. Then Druff gets some lentil dish that I always see every time I've gone to this buffet, but I'm like, you know, all these good things. I mean, you know, lentils I think are healthy for you. And then he tops on this little plate with the lentil dish and the, the, the lamb Euro some watermelon and some fruit. But it was all in the same and spot. That's why it, it, it sounds random, but it was all next a to each other. Combination to be eating fruit with a gyro and some lentils. It, it was all it was all that, next to each other. So we were in that area of the buffet, and I put it there. But, but I was wondering. But the point I'm making is, you did not eat anywhere near what your legend uh, beholds you to. Well, what, okay. What, 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 There's a reason for that. So okay. I was wondering if you're going to say anything. You didn't say anything at the time today, but uh, I was wondering if, oh, if you we would notice. Oh, in some interesting conversation yeah. the whole time. But I have been making an attempt to lose weight, and uh, I, I'm trying not to eat these massive amounts 
unless uh, it's been very, very long since I last ate, then sometimes I will. But other than that, I, I try not to just eat as much as I used to. And I've also cut out with eating a lot of things that I used to buy. Like I used to buy a lot of snacks and candy and stuff and just always have well, them around. Well, the dessert line, you never went for a second helping. I, I'm telling you, I'm trying to eat less and consume fewer calories. And it, what I've noticed, unfortunately, is while I would have lost a lot of weight from the changes in my eating in previous years, it seems my metabolism has slow, slowed down now that I'm a gentleman over 50 years old. And uh, it's getting harder to lose weight. So I, I, I was hoping... Well, what I'm saying, though, in essence, is you're not a cash-worthy customer of a buffet these days. I mean, that might be true. Cash, yeah. I would... Yeah. You know, everything changes. I was, I was shocked. Well, I, yeah. I can't, uh, well, can't always be the same guy. Your, di- your discipline is right. because I mean, I can see it because you really didn't eat. I mean, you know, you ate, but not nowhere near what a $70 buffet would be, in, you know, encompasses of eating. It was it wasn't yeah it was a little little surprising yeah I'm, I'm right, trying to last, trying to bring it down second the last thing here I don't want to hijack your show so I'll just real brief uh, I want to give some props to you know I, I've lived in Vegas 22 years uh, the only team that I've I, I don't even know if you want to call it adopted out here um, has been the NHL the Golden Knights because they were an expansion I'm not a Raiders fan I'm still Dolphins. So the point is, I'm still everything Florida. You know, Florida State Seminoles and football and college basketball, not UNLV, Miami Dolphins, uh, not the Florida Panthers because I just wasn't into hockey when I lived down in Florida, hence the Golden Knights, but specifically in basketball, the Miami Heat, and all the naysayers at Stephen A. Smith, and he's such a smug fuck, they're all saying, oh, it's over. Maybe they win in five. They might even sweep. My Miami Heat did it on the road today. They won in Denver for the first time in seven years tonight. First time in seven years. Yeah. I think they only probably play them once a year, twice a year, because, you know, different conference. It's not in the same division, region. But they beat them. I don't know if you saw the game. They came back from... Yeah, I saw. They uh, were down, and then they came back. Yeah, and, and they were... All 14 down, and they won the game. And now they have home court advantage. You know, the, you know the line. The line on this game was minus ten for Denver. I've never seen that in a NBA. No, it closed at seven. They started at ten though. Oh, okay. Some, I never saw that. Something must have happened. How did it drop three points? I'm not sure. I wasn't. I wasn't betting it, so I wasn't following that closely. Yeah. But it was ten at one point. Wow. Well, it closed at seven. Anyway, I just want to give a little shout out to them. They're just an incredible story. How do you go from the playing team not even making the playoffs now to to this? Just incredible. Yeah, it's a very weird team how, how just sometimes they show up and play over their heads and, and do it enough to where they keep advancing. But, I mean, if they win this, to do it to, you know, Milwaukee, and then, you know, obviously the Knicks, okay, but then to do it to Boston, and then to do it again, and all four, all four no home no home court, all yeah. four rounds. I mean, it's, just, it's amazing. Yeah, it is right. pretty amazing. And last thing I want to bring up, then you could return to regular scheduled programming. I, I woke up, by the way. And I, I texted you earlier when you told me you're going to be on radio, and I said, you know, I'm going to go to sleep. So I just woke up after three hours, and figured I haven't been on in a while, um, and I wanted to show some support for you. You know, there's been some rumblings. Well, you know, you know, this, that, and the other. Maybe Brandon, maybe Drexel is, you know, staying out of the 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 hoo ha ha, the controversy. But no, I support Druff. He's my buddy. Nothing like that. Uh, I want to talk briefly about. WSOP 
air defense systems. Now, I don't know. Do you, know, do you understand this, Druff? Yeah, I think you know. so. Now, I don't know really if there's a way that we can convey this to the average listener um, in a way that might not be political, that might be politically correct. But I want to also say, besides tonight not answering my phone call for 20 minutes, 20 minutes of fighting when I'm half asleep to get on this damn show, Druff's air defense system, WSOP air defense system failed me. Now, what a WSOP air defense system is, some might ask, um, is there, you know, this is going to happen in any tournament series, but specifically the WSOP with these many, many, many events. There are certain particular players that one might not like to necessarily, we'll just say succeed. Okay. Uh, you know, meaning, you know, win a bracelet, make a lot of money, go deep. So you have your air defense systems, which are basically, you know, like you would see in, you know, this at a military base, a DEFCON 5, a DEFCON 4, 3, 2. Now, I, I, we've never fortunately got to a 1, but is a 1 actually winning? Is a, is yeah, the, a the 1 would be winning the, the bracelet. And so, some people refer to this as an anti-sweat, by the way, where – you're you're looking at people's results as the tournaments are going on, and you see names up there of people that uh, that you don't like very much, and you think, oh, I, I hope that person doesn't win. And I'm sure people have seen when I've gone deep in tournaments who don't like me. I'm sure they've anti-sweated me the same way. Oh, there's anti-defense systems all over. No offense. Yeah. I mean, I love you, but I'm just saying, you know, they are. Yeah. So, know, so, so, I'm saying, so, so this is a so this is a form of, of the anti-sweating. Unfortunately for you, they're air. Fr- Unfortunately for you, their air defense systems haven't been put into play too much in the last couple. No, they, they have. They haven't. They haven't been. But but uh, there's been some main event ones. There's been some main event ones. We'll give you. You know, how many people have gone to bed angry over some main event runs because yep. of their air defense systems? So the point is, Druff missed a very big air defense system, uh, or his air defense system missed a very big subject target that was. You know, I was told the skies are clear. We're on DEFCON 5 when we were, in <laughs> fact, at a DEFCON 3 today. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow, that's all I had. So, okay, getting back to the show, and it's, thank you for the hijack and all that. Uh, what else? And I'm only going to be here for a little bit, so don't worry. I'm not going to sit here and fuck up the, the agenda here with crazy topics about air defense systems. But what else uh, needs to be said about this? Oh, you were going to play the video, you said. No, not a video. Um, I, I I was going to read the statement. So there was a statement. We should play the video of him because it's kind of funny. Let me see if I can. Uh, what's his name? Matt or not Matt? No, no it's Jack Effel. Uh, what, uh, what's his Jack name? Jack Effel. Uh, uh, yes, released a video statement and explaining everything and the policy. And then he explained how uh, they reserve the right to do everything from punish you for one hand and make you sit out or I guess one orbit, okay, all the way up to banning you for life and trespassing you from the tournament. And he explained why there's such a wide range because they didn't want to put a blanket policy in uh, in case, you know, there's extenuating circumstances. You know, they don't want to make a one-size-fits-all. Yeah, I, I can't find the I can't the find the video here, but uh, oh, come here, on, what kind of? I was going to read the quote. I have the quote in front of me. I just don't have the video. The video's better, but I don't have it in front of me. I I couldn't find it. Anyway, here here's the quote though. I, I'll I'll read it. It says, 
if caught using RTA, meaning real-time assistance, slash DTO software during a hand, player will be subject to penalty up to and including disqualification and trespass. So let's stop right there. That means during a hand, like while you're in a hand, if you whip out the phone and figure out what the solver tells you what to do. Well, that's obvious. That's always been the case. Uh, th- that's a, not a new rule. If you did this last year, you would have been uh, disqualified also. So that, there's no question. And, and nobody's advocating that you should be able to do it in the middle of a hand. So this was done, people. Um, Is that? Because you know, controversy was brewing. Everyone was talking about it. And this was done literally hours before the first event kicked off. He released this statement. So here it is. Clarity is this, is that you can't use it while you're in a hand, right? That's where the most punitive uh, measures are going to take place if someone is using it. I want to reserve the right to not have them in between a hand if there's a situation. Let's say somebody's using it out of a hand, but they're texting the the decision to someone who is in a hand, right? So I, I wanted to leave that open for interpretation in case I needed to use it, in case I needed to say, like, you're using it for the wrong reason. Yes, you're not in a hand. Somebody else is in a hand, and you're giving them the information. That was really what I meant. It wasn't that you couldn't use it in between hands. I want to make sure that people aren't using it to help others or help themselves. Obviously, this is you know a little more sophisticated than just having somebody on your shoulder telling you, hey, call, fold, whatever. You know, the, the solver is a little smarter than that because they already know what the move is. And so we, we can't allow that. It is cheating if they're doing it in a hand. Okay, so he was clarifying what I was reading before, where they said that they reserve the right to further penalize a player for using RTA and GTO in any other situation in our sole and absolute discretion. So what, he, so what he means is you can use it between hands, but if you're using it between hands to text somebody that's in a hand... No, but see, that's, okay, that, that's, then, that's the problem here. Is that, That's what he just said there, but that's not entirely what he meant. So I'll explain in a second what he what I think he meant. Well, how do you know what he meant? I'll explain. That's what he said. I, I will explain. I know what All he right. said. So he says, we reserve the right to further, further penalize a player for using RTA and GTO in any other situation in our sole and absolute discretion. Players may continue to use their device to play WSB.com or Caesars Sportsbook while in or out of a hand, which is crazy. So you can actually hold up the game if you want to place bets on the Caesars Sportsbook. Or if you, uh, yeah, I liked how they put that in there. That's kind of that's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Hold, hold on, hold, sir. It's your turn to act. Hold on, I'm looking at the over under in the in the in the Angels baseball game. I mean, come on, really? That's such a self, shameless, selfless plug, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's. I found it was funny. I actually chuckled, but okay. Yeah. So uh, it's it's uh, so they threw that in there that you can you can actually hold up the game while while you're playing online. They're so desperate to have you use the Caesar Sports Betting app and the and WCB.com. But putting that aside, from the two statements, the one I read you and then the after statement he made to Poker.org, it would sound like from what Brandon said that all they are worried about is that maybe you're using it to text someone who's in a hand. But that's not all they're trying to say. You've got to read between the lines. So they wanted to address this without addressing it, and this is basically how they're doing it. They didn't want to say, yes, this is fine. Go ahead and use real-time assistance all you want as long as you don't communicate it to other people. That's not what they're saying. If, if that was the intention, that's what they would have said, but they didn't say that. And they also didn't say, you can't use it in between hands. What they're saying here is that they're leaving it up to the floormen and the managers to decide in each individual case 
whether it is being abused. So yeah, I'll give they you. They don't want a blanket policy. Yeah. They want to. They don't want a one size fits all. They want to make a decision based on the specific yes. circumstances of the situation. So I and and I think what they were trying they to get at here room for interpretation. Yes. What they were. What I think they're trying to get at here is, let's say you just played a hand and you want to pull up GTO Wizard to see if you did it right. That they're not going to care about that. If you're seen doing it, they're not going to do anything about it. However, if after every hand that you play, you whip it out and calculate it, or you're late in an event and you got a short stack and someone sees you pull this out to figure out what your next move is, and then it's reported that if the floor man comes over and says, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't be doing that, you can't say, oh, no, 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 Jack Effel said I can always use this in between hands. So this allows them the leeway to where if they feel someone is using this in an inappropriate fashion, they can make them stop. And at the same time, if they think they're using it to where it's not a very big deal and it's just them consulting it for uh, information on the hand they just played that they're wondering about, then they're going to let it go. So they're leaving it open to kind of keep both sides from getting pissed off here. They're leaving it just, we'll, we'll know it when we see it if we think it's something we don't like. I wish they went further. I it's wish almost th- like pornography. Someone famously said, "I don't know. I can't put or I can't define what pornography is, or but I know it when I see it." You, you know the quote I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> it's like the People versus Larry Flint. I think that was but okay. Well, he played poker, so it's kind of relevant. Yeah. So, so that's basically anyhow, what they're doing here. Clear is clear as a bell, and I, you know, I like that that Berkey. I mean. I think if there is a poker award for poker player or comeback poker player of the year, it might be him. Or it would be him. He'd be the front runner in June because a lot of people, you know, this whole thing with Airball and then remember they were bullying him on the one show. Everyone said he kind of came out looking good out of all this. Yes. You know, he you know was he was the about? one whose stock rose the most in 2023 of anybody. Yes. Well, that's what I mean, the comeback player yes. of the year. Yes. But I disagree with him on this one. Yeah, I was disappointed, too, because when he's taken other positions regarding poker matters, I found myself usually agreeing with him. In his beefs with individual people, then sometimes I'm in the middle. or like Sometimes I'm not totally on his side there. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But I'm talking about just issues that have to do with poker itself and not individual players in poker. I, I find like his take on it is usually correct. And this one, I just feel like he's way off in the weeds on this one. I, I, I'm very surprised the position he takes and also the passion he is taking these positions with. In fact, he even tweeted out something specifically mentioning me and Luke Rabel, Slay Dog, complaining that we were on the other side of this. So that shows you how he was, uh, how passionate he was about this whole matter. And in our debate, you know, we were never rude to each other and we weren't uh, insulting or anything. So it wasn't anything like that. But he really feels strongly about this and seems even a little bit annoyed that I was on the other side of it. I know now, obviously, never in a hand, but have you ever used a solver uh, otherwise? No. Have you, like, I mean, not even playing. Have you, like, fooled around with it at home? No, I, I haven't fooled around with it? them yet. I, I may, you know, I might use them to, I might get one and try some spots that I've remembered that I've played in the past and see what it would say, or go back to some write-ups about some hands I did in the past and see what it would say. It would be interesting to see. I haven't done it yet, but I don't play No Limit Cash, really. So I don't have a need for it there. And I, I don't play tournaments that much, period. So I just haven't had the need to go consult these things. Whereas I'm sure if I were a uh, regular no-limit cash player or a uh, 
a regular PLO cash player or uh, someone who played tournaments all the time. Then hey, I, that Poker Bunny, uh, shout out to Baby Poker Bunny. Uh, she was talking <laughs> about solvers five years ago. Some might say she was ahead of her time, a trailblazer even. Yeah. Well, you remember Poker knew? Bunny? She'd go into these weird Twitter things where no one knew what the hell she was saying. I mean, still don't know what she was saying, but she was the solver says this, this with pi versus that. Yeah, I know. She was very obsessed with the solvers. Like, That's what some people don't realize right. about her. Like, the, like when she was playing Probably. poker and talking about uh, how she's trying to improve, this was not just a young girl who showed up in poker and just cruised on the fact that she's one of the few young, attractive girls in poker. She was actually making an effort to improve her game. Like the, She was reading books. She was she was uh, using these solvers. She was really putting a lot of effort in to try to improve. Holy shit. I met her. The first time I met her, she pulls up this laptop, and she must have had like 10,000 pages of notes <laughs> of like, I mean, of, of different scenarios. I mean, she was, yeah, she was big into being a student of the game, but it was all like that solver stuff. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, and well, I actually felt this this hurt her somewhat. I, I felt that she ended up with the ultimate situation of fancy play syndrome where she didn't put enough time into getting these, the basic fundamentals down and was too much thinking about what would the solver say, what would the solver do, and then she wasn't always considering that in some of these spots, especially against recreational players, you, you throw all that out the window and you adjust for who your opponent is and what the situation is, and you, you don't worry about what the solver says. So uh, yeah. she would sometimes overthink the situations and make some moves where people say, oh, you know, what a fish. And it wasn't that she was a fish. It was just that she was uh, she was overthinking. It was really fancy play syndrome. Yeah. So anyway, not that much more to say about the GTO wizard. That was the ruling, and there hasn't been much discussion since the World Series put that out. So far, I have oh, not. Oh, no, but hold on. What about the rest of it? That there is some debate about amateurs. Did you talk about that? Your stance that that you didn't even think Rex knew what solvers were. And that well, okay. Well, that that was part of the whole thing with Berkey. I didn't go into, it, but I, I can mention that if you'd like. Well, you should. Yeah. So you should. That Stanley Tang came up. Oh yeah, go. <laughs> there was a debate between me and Berkey of how aware the recreational players even were of these solvers. And the reason this matters is he was trying to assert that these solvers are actually very helpful for recreational players because they're learning. They're the ones who get the most out of them because they still don't know the right moves to make. And the more they use them, the more they learn to get better. So if you want to be fair to recreational players, you need to allow them, not disallow them at the table. So that made... That, that morphed into a debate about how many recreational players are really even aware that these solvers exist. And I said, at the typical World Series of Poker table, and what I was referring to wasn't like a $5,000 no-limit event. I meant something like today's $600 no-limit event that is very recreational player heavy. So at the typical kind of three or low fig four-figure buy-in World Series event that gets a large field, I said, if you went to the table and asked everybody at the table if they've heard of GTO Wizard prior to this whole controversy that just came up. And you eliminate all the pros from being asked. You only ask the people who are not pros. I think every single one of them would not have heard of it. And he thought that more than... Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, I was, I was exaggerating a bit. I was exaggerating a bit. But, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, though, at a given table if you eliminate the pros and only ask the recreational players prior to this whole thing. This whole thing got it more discussed in public, so that's a different story. But prior to the big discussion of this, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if you went to a table and let's say there were two pros and seven recs. I wouldn't be surprised if all seven recs hadn't heard of it. Now, I will say that in the whole event, you're not going to find zero recreational players who've heard of it at that point. But uh, I, what I was saying is I felt that the typical recreational player just not only doesn't use it, but hadn't heard of it. The guy that plays a home game once a week, once a month, and comes out once a year for the $400 whatever Colossus tournament, he doesn't know what it is. That's, that was that my point, yeah. That was my point. Yes. So, so Berkey but brought the up... The that reads the forums and plays weekly at his cash game at a casino might very know, you know, much know. But the average, you know, like this big million-dollar maker thing, if you take away all the pros, I'd say it's probably less than 20%. Yes, Otherwise, yes, I, I would say that too, yes. And and that maybe even after all the publicity too, the publicity of this whole controversy, of course, made some people more aware of it if they've been following poker Twitter. But but that's only because of a controversy. You know, prior to this, when there was not controversy about it, I don't think very many recreational players knew. And also, this gave way to a discussion of what is a recreational player, because that can have a lot of definitions. There are some people who play all the time, but they also have another form of income, and therefore they're not a poker pro, but they play so much, they play more than some pros do. So that's, that's, that's not the type of recreational player I'm talking about. I don't consider that person a recreational player. I don't consider the person who uh, joins every training site they can and, and trying to get better in every way possible, but they're still a recreational player. They're not playing pro yet. I don't mean them either. I'm talking about, as Brandon said, the person who plays either in a home game once a week or someone who goes to the local casino and plays one two no limit every so often and then they have the guy that comes out here every year and plays one you know like yeah weekend four hundred dollar buy-in right we like the event today the the six hundred dollar buy-in event that that uh, started on a sunday like that's that's the type of player that is not going to have heard of this and even if they had, they would kind of be intimidated by it, a lot of them. A lot of them would say, what? GTO Wizard? What is that? Like, even if you explained it to them, like, oh, no, that, that seems complicated. I don't want to do that. They just, I just don't care enough to yeah. expand the energy and time to, you know, they're not... Exactly. And, not their, yeah. and I've explained that these people are here to have fun and to gamble and to try to get lucky. They're not looking to... How does to, Stanley Tang's name get in? So Stanley Tang is... is uh, so he was in the Hustler Million Dollar Game... And, oh, for uh, those who don't know, he's the founder of uh, DoorDash. Yes, and, and, and he's, he's like, been in, he's been in a lot of. Uh, he was on high stakes poker the last two years. He's been in a lot of Vegas centric high end buy ins lately. Yeah, that's so, got him. Yeah, so so he was he's a, a billionaire, and so Berkey was very excited when Stanley Tang talked about GTO Wizard and talked about other solvers at the table, and he's like, ah ah, look, a recreational player talking about it. Ah, ah look, Todd was wrong, but. You can't say Stanley Tang is your typical recreational player. This guy's playing in million-dollar buy-in games, and he's clearly trying to study up. And he's he's a he's a he's a savvy IV tech guy. Anyhow, that's what I was going to say. That's this is obviously a, a very smart guy, a, a, someone who is very uh, into that world, and someone who, when he's going to go to a million-dollar game, doesn't want to look like a fool and is going to consult people or even do the work himself to figure out how he can improve to be able to compete in these games. So this is not the typical recreational player to say a billionaire playing in these gigantic streamed games that are publicly streamed to tens of thousands of people and then later watched by hundreds of thousands. Of course he doesn't want to look like a fool. Of course he wants to try to improve when he's going to put out the effort. And someone who founded DoorDash obviously is uh, 
very technically savvy, as, as Brandon pointed out. So this is the worst example of a recreational player. That's not what I meant at all. So I said, come on, you, you're using Stanley Tang as an example now? That's crazy. So I, I, the type of well, recreational wreck, player... Yeah, he's a wreck, but he's not your average wreck. No, not at all. And he's that's why as much of an average wreck as any billionaire average. I mean, it, it's, it's nonsense. I disagree with that. Like another one, another one along those lines is 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 Carrie Katz, the owner of Poker Go. He's also a billionaire. He 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 enters all these uh, nosebleed stakes events, but he's very competitive. He wants he he loves poker. He wants to succeed at poker. He's not just playing for fun. He actually wants to succeed, even though he's not doing this for a living. So if Carrie Katz knew about or used solvers, I wouldn't be surprised either. But he's not a typical recreational player. It's just a whole different Perfect world with that stuff. What's his name? Dan Shack, similarly. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole different world, those type of people. So the, 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 pe- the player you have to make sure that you're not unfair to is the typical recreational player you would think of when you hear, hear the term recreational player. Someone who really is just doing it for fun, who doesn't want to expend a lot of effort to learn or uh, study or anything like that. They just want to show up and play for fun and they don't play all that often. And they are very aware that they're not as good as the pros, but they're hoping that you know maybe they'll get lucky and it's fun. And they also like the idea of coming out and playing the world series and, and uh, maybe Negron will be sat at their table or some other pro that they like. That's why they come out to the world series for that experience. They don't come out with a delusion. Hey, I'm as good as the pros. I'm going to crush it. It's like March madness for like a lot of these people. They come out with their buddies every year. They play a tournament or two and that's it. Then they go back to their office jobs or whatever. They're not researching it. They're not even attempting to, yeah, it's, it's silly. And, and some people said, how "Yeah, and make that argument." And some people have said, "Oh, you're treating these players like they're morons who need to be coddled." And I said, "No, they're not morons. A lot of these people are very smart who have a very difficult profession. You know, for doctors, lawyers, whatever. But they're not great poker players, nor do they want to expend the time or effort to become great poker players. So the very least you can do for them is don't use additional tools that you shouldn't be using in the first place." At a live event, if you're going to be naturally, I mean, it, it, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't like a scary. Excuse me, it ain't like you're going to see one of these wrecks sitting there with a tough river decision, and all of a sudden he says out loud to the table, "Hmm, I think I need to randomize here." Like <laughs> you know, it's just they don't. Well, I'm being serious. Now that's the big thing. Have you seen this? Yes. Everyone's with the fucking time to randomize, and they're flipping coins to determine. You know what was funny? I just had someone like that at one of the events I uh, I played here this week where. Uh, a decision came up, and I watched a guy look up at the clock. I go, that fucker's trying to, like, look at the second counter on the clock to see what to randomize. <laughs> yeah, that's – I mean, I don't even understand this myself, but, you know, famously or infamously, this just happened in that – saw a highlight of it. I never – did you watch any of that Million Dollar Hustler? Yeah, I watched I mean? some of it, yeah. So I, I saw clips. I didn't watch any of it live because I can't sit through it, but Doug Polk literally was faced all in – in a $1.3, $1.4 million pot. And he and he, he ended up getting bluffed. But he randomized two cards. He started shuffling them back and forth under each other. And he said, if it's an ace, if it's a spade, I, he had aces. If it's a spade, I call. If it's the heart, diamond, whatever, I fold. He flipped over a spade and he folded like he said he would. And then the guy showed him the bluff for $1.3 million. I mean, that's probably today to today's date the most expensive randomization that there's ever been. Yeah, in poker. probably. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw that hand. One, yeah, did you I, see that hand? Yeah, I saw. I was going to talk about and that when we get to the hustler the segment. Got, but yeah, it was was his head was buried. And then he got up and yelled and slammed down his. Yeah. So, 
Anyhow, I agree. I'm on board a thousand percent. I don't know what, and I, I respect Berkey. I think he, he is, you know, he his head's in the right spot or his heart's in the right spot. You know, he's trying to do what's right for poker. You know, I, I, you know, have a whole newfound opinion of him at the last six months. The way he conducted himself on that that awful that that game. By the way, I watched part of it live. I had to turn off all the screaming, the, the high stakes poker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was awful, awful television. I know that was very polarizing. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I found it was obnoxious. Yeah, I found it was, too. I turned it off also. I, I couldn't stand it. It was. It was I, a, I, I tried because, oh, it's high-stakes poker, the biggest amount of money, and it was awful. Made for the worst TV. They're all yelling and cackling, and just uh, it was awful. Awful. Awful, excuse me. That made you hiccup, too. Poor, That's how bad it was. Yeah, not, yeah, that poor Nick Shulman is trying to. Who I like him, by the way. I really have started to like him as an announcer. By the way, I think he's a great. Announcer. Oh, he is a great announcer. He's no my question. Favorite out of all of them. Yeah, he's very he's popular like, as an announcer. He's... Everybody loves his announcing. Great. He's my favorite. No offense to the Hanson kid. No offense to the other ones. Uh, what's Tuckman? Tuckman. But yeah, Shulman is great. Is it Tuckman? Yeah, Tuckman. Yeah. I I don't think it should be a problem this year. Because I think so much information I was gotten out there that I, it'd be ballsy if somebody. I mean, you know, I guess I shouldn't say that. There probably will be one person before the summer's over that gets kicked out, barred. No, I don't. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's going to happen there because I don't think people are going to risk this. But I, I do think before the summer's over that there will be. Somebody will not even know about it. Or well, no, I, I think there's going to be a, a shaming again where I think there will probably be someone who comes by and takes a, a video or a picture of someone using it and says, oh, look, look, look who's using it at the table. Say, they say in baseball they have the most stringent testing for performance-enhancing drugs out of any sport. Any sport. Okay? And that's, you know, I'm counting other countries, soccer, and still every year these people get caught. And they know the rules. They, you know, they but know I'll, I'll tell you the difference. They know the- There's a difference, though. The big difference is in baseball, using those performance enhancing drugs can be a tremendous difference in your results. And in poker, this GTO wizard is not going to give you a big enough edge to be worth taking the risk. That's why. If this was something. Fernando, that Fernando Tatis gets signed a $400 million or $300 whatever 50 million dollar contract he's got guaranteed money for 10 years he's only 22 he breaks his wrist in the offseason on a motorcycle you know whatever accident and what does he do during his rehab he starts taking performance enhancing drugs yes and, and gets caught <laughs> that, I don't, that doesn't so i'm saying i don't I, I don't know there's still people stupid enough is my point that even though they know the risk they're still going to do it and they think they can they can get away with it i think it's probably even likely that there's a controversy about somebody, but, you know, I didn't use it. I was between hands. No, you did. There'll be something before this whole thing is said and done this summer, I bet. Well, we'll see. We'll report it out here for sure if that yeah. happens. Now, there was some breaking news tonight about a Vegas topic that I know you'd want to talk about. Uh, literally, breaking news. And that was actually uh, reported by our friends at uh, Vital Maybe not our friends, my friend, but well, my I know him. Uh, I'm not blocked by him, I should say. A vital Vegas. No, I'm not blocked by him either. Was, oh, okay. No, I don't. Got, I don't have an issue with him. No, I'm okay. Didn't you argue? Oh, that was like a tipping thing. Didn't you guys get into it? No, we we have we have problem? debates about tipping things, but we we don't have an issue with each other. And I I even mentioned today oh, I was good. I was on his his him and his girlfriend's uh, podcast last year. You told me that today at dinner. Yeah. Or lunch. Yeah, you mentioned it. Okay, so. 
the other breaking news was it has to do with uh, the uh, Casino Royale. Do you know about this? Yes, that uh, they are going to probably wreck it and build something in its place and that they're trying to find out how tall of a building they can build there because there's they concerns about the airport. A, a report with the F right with the FAA uh, on Friday to get clearance from them on how high they could potentially build something in its place. So this was like an official federal document sent to the FAA and they wanted 600 feet is what they were asking for. And obviously this is like the early stages. God, how does this guy get these documents? Uh, the the Ve- Vital Vegas. He was the first person to report this. And it's funny, he laughs and makes fun of it because he's like, you'll see this in the Review Journal in two days. And sure enough, two days. I mean, he gets stuff before the Review, review Journal does. It's yeah, really he has a lot of people who come to him now. That's what happens. Like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm not, you know, I don't get paid. I don't get paid for none of this shit in 20 <laughs> years. But uh, if you want to hear things that are likely going to be true before you know, in some cases, the review journal or mainstream media doesn't cover it for a week, two weeks, even a month later. Uh, I suggest, and you care about all things Vegas, give the Vital Vegas a follow on your Twitter because, you know, he's very, very good. I, I've been reading him a lot lately, and he's like 99% on spot with things that are opening and closing and future plans for this. So anyhow, it looks like they are potentially going to be, uh, in the, or they're in the early stages of closing down uh, Casino Royale and building a mega resort there. Can you imagine the construction that or that that gridlock that's going to cost? Yeah, in such a heavy you know walk through area. Yeah, well, it's, it's not surprising that they're going to do away with it because it has a, a very good location, and yet it's it's a piece of shit little hotel in the back of that piece of shit little casino. So it's it's really it's underutilized. Not even, it's, a, it's a travel lodge. Well, that's what I mean. Or, it's uh, it's just a it's not a what you'd expect. Lodge? Yeah, it's a travel lodge, and yeah. it, it it's not something you would expect in that location right now, the way modern Vegas is. So it it's just such a valuable piece of land. It's really not living up to the potential as far as money I you can generate. Stayed there one time. Kind of because I wanted to stay there because that's one of the few places I've never stayed in. And I was somewhere on the strip and I needed to be somewhere in the morning. And I'll tell you, the rooms are some of the smallest rooms. Uh, I mean, I think the average room, I don't even think they have suites there. It's not that kind of place. I think the rooms are about 100 to 125 to 150 square feet. I mean, they are tiny. <laughs> they are tiny. And, you know, clean, fine, you know, whatever. Um, but it's really, really funny because it's always funny to see on peak holidays, peak weekends, those little tiny cubicle of rooms go as high as four or five hundred dollars a night, and they're little. They're literally like there's janitor's closets that are bigger than, than you know those rooms. So it would make it would make sense for them to you know the land is definitely mo- worth more than what they're bringing in there. And also, you um, know, uh, you know, Casino Royale for many years. And it hasn't been this way for a while, but for many years, it was something you would not expect, but they had a very good quality blackjack game that could be beaten by card counters. And not only that, they didn't have much heat as far as the pit staff or the eye in the sky watching for card counters. So card counters loved Casino Royale. Now, you couldn't play at limits that were too high because then that would attract so much attention that they would scrutinize. But you know, you could spread your bet between like 25 and 150 per hand, 
and get away with it, and nobody cared. And it was pretty amazing. Yeah. And it was also funny because it's such a low-limit place that just about at the, everybody at the table is betting $10 or less. In fact, some were betting like 3 or $5. So I would sometimes raise my bet up to 150 because the count is high, and people couldn't believe it. They go, oh, my God, this is such Not a big anymore. bet. Well, I'm talking about they did away with. I know. I said I said they haven't had that. Yeah, I said they haven't had that for a long time. But but this this persisted for like ten years before they did away with it. And the I never figured out why they would have these favorable conditions because the typical player there was clueless, and the typical player wasn't going to care about how far they shuffle in the deck or what the double deck rules are. And like it was very strange that they would have made the game this good because the players there didn't even know the difference anyway. And all they did is invite card counters in yeah. to beat them. But it was funny because the way people would react when I would bet there, I was like the the whale in the house. The, the, I'm talking about the way that the other players would react. And in fact, it would intimidate and scare them. So like a guy would ask me, what should I do? And I'd say, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, just do what you want. You're know, you looking for advice with like, what to do? He said, no, I just, I, I kind of want to hit this, but I don't want to take away the card you want. And you have all this money. I only have $3. And like, he was afraid I was superstitious that if he doesn't that, do, quote, the right thing, I'm going to get mad. I said, no, no, I'm not like that. I just, uh, you, you just play your own hand way, whatever way you want. I'm not going to get mad either way. That, that reminds me, I, I, I would assume you've been there, but maybe not because it was in a very bad location. Oh, it was before downtown was revitalized and before Fremont Street was covered and all that. Did you ever play at the Golden Spike downtown? No. Okay, so the Golden Spike was one of those conglomerate, Jackie Gone, Plaza, Las Vegas room, El Cortez-owned casinos. And when I first moved here, uh, you're going to laugh at this. This is probably, you can see the roots of my degeneracy. Uh when I first moved here, I worked my first job. I worked at where? Where's my first job here? See if you've been paying attention for 20 years. My first job ever in Las Vegas, 22 years. I knew ago. at one point. I don't remember anymore. I was a break. My first job ever was a break and dice dealer at the El Cortez. I, I knew you were so, a dice dealer. I just didn't know where it was. I knew it was something so like the El Cortez. Of, yeah. So for whatever reason, one of the times I was working, I had uh, a double break. We had, we had, uh, five men on a dice crew. So you would do like 20s, but then every four breaks in a day. So basically twice a day, you'd get a 40-minute break. Dice crews normally are four people. There's uh, one on each base, a stick man, and then one person's on break. So, But sometimes if they haven't opened up, if they have too many dealers and you know, whatever. Okay, so we had a five-man crew. So I'm on a 40-minute break. And back then, it was really, really funny because it was very commonplace that you would see employees gambling on breaks. Okay, they actually encouraged it. Now I don't even know if there's a place in. Now I'm talking about when you're off the clock, like literally in your uniform on break, and you know people would sit there, they'd have a cigarette. You know, of course you can't drink alcohol. They you know unwind and they're playing. You know, and this was back in the day where you also put. You know, at least down there, they hadn't upgraded their their technology yet. So these were all like quarter change type slot machines. You know, where you're getting the change in the buckets. So I had a 40-minute break. There was nothing for me to do there. So I walked over to the Golden Spike, which was across the street. And I had been a blackjack player at that point for many, many, many years. So I knew, you know, basic strategy, uh, you know, for the most part. And my preference back then was uh, playing single deck or double deck or single deck. But even back then, it was hard to find a single deck game that had decent penetration. And most of them were 
six to five or they were turning into six to five. I don't remember if that particular, you know, downtown was one of the last to, in fact, I don't even know now. Are most downtown casinos six to five or are they still kind of, you know, because it's Yeah, most stuff, most stuff is six to five now. Yeah, it's hard to find three to two these days. Okay. So anyhow, I go to the, uh, I go to the Golden Spike on a break. It's like one in the afternoon and I sit down at a five, $5 game. That's all they had. Double deck, blackjack, buying for five hundred dollars because I want to play quarters. And by the way, I'm working at El Cortez, and on average, I'm making about seven to twelve dollars a day in tips and minimum wage. So you know, anything to supplement my income was great. I mean, you know, working there back then for a number of years, I'm not sure how it is now. I know it can't be great. It was more of like that getting a job there because that's you know, it's a breaking house, which means you know that's a breaking house is referred to as a casino that hires first-time dealers so you know the expectation is they're going to make mistakes and be good and so on and so forth so it was a break in house the el cortez and you know basically you kind of consider like on the job training or an internship where you get a little bit of money but literally like you know we had like if we i remember if we got made twenty dollars in tips and back then also you would get paid in cash every day in a little envelope for your lap for your last shift like literally so if we got a $20 bill or more, it was a good day and there was buzz and everyone was talking about it. Can you imagine that? Like people were in good moods and they were like, oh, did you see what we got? If we got like over 30, people were ecstatic, you know, like it just, you know, but most days literally were about seven to $12 a day, a day, a day. So, okay. So I'm over at the golden spike. I'm on break. I buy in for $500 and I put down a green chip and right away and then from that point on what do you think happened every hand i played you lost no the dealer called out green in action oh, okay every <laughs> hand i played it was obnoxious because people would be looking at me they literally i mean i remember i am alive long enough and i've been living here long enough and i'm not an old man to remember an error where they were calling out to the pit boss every single hand that i played green meaning you know green is the most common uh, yeah i had that with blackjack in a few casinos too well right you, you back in like the early 2000s that was common black in action black in action but green in action every single <laughs> time i made a bet and that, he wasn't doing it the dealer to be a mutt or to annoy me that was the procedure he was doing what he was told to do and that's another breaking house by the way the, the golden spike but every hand, he screamed out green in action. The whole place was looking at me. And then within a few minutes, they were sweating me. I don't remember how I did. You know, whatever it is, I I won a couple hundred. Maybe I lost. You know, it was nothing outrageous. I never got to the point where. And I remember back then, the, what do you think the table limit was? It was like three to 100? It was actually, well, no, no it, three to 100. The minimum was five. So, I mean, oh, five to 100. Okay. No, it was five to 200. I was close. I mean, it wasn't that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when you said, oh, I guess three. You know, it might have been three because they had places there where you were even less than five. But yeah, yeah. Three, uh, 200 was a max. So you couldn't even like, you know, you win your quarter bet. You win two in a row. Like you can get up to 200 and that's it. And then if you bet two hands, if you wanted to play two hands, what do you think they made you do? You can only bet 100 <laughs> on each spot. You could bet 200 total. Which, which is really weird because most places used to have a rule. Remember what most rules used to be? If you played two hands, you had to play double what the table minimum was. I don't know if you remember that. That was a big 
common. Anyhow, so it's just funny to think back. That's only 20 years ago, but they would call out green in action when you would play. So, anyhow, I'm sorry. I another little hijack there. Uh, so, okay, what are what are the Vegas topics? Okay, so let's let's go on to some topics here. So, since we're talking about craps somewhat, uh, I want let's talk about the dice sliding Sliders? arrest. Yeah. yeah. So there is a uh, a dice sliding incident that has recently come to light, and it has resulted in some... Two years ago, by the way, yeah. that it actually happened. It, it is weird how this is just coming out now, even though it is something that happened two years ago. And uh, there's four people... But let, let me explain the whole thing, and uh, then we'll get to the story. So... There's two things you need to know before we begin here. First of all, what dice sliding is. And dice sliding is a way of throwing the dice so they don't tumble. So they just slide across the table. You're not even throwing the dice. You're sliding them. Yeah, you're, 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 sli- you're sliding them. But yeah, and, and, and to where it, it's, it, that's not considered a legal role. And in fact, intentionally dice sliding is an illegal action. It's a form of cheating. Because you're supposed to be rolling the dice, and the assumption is that anyone who's not trying to do the sliding isn't going to just accidentally do it. If you just throw a dice without attempting to slide, in fact, sliding is something you have to learn to do from practice. So the average person couldn't... Nevada state law, do you know what constitutes... Now, this isn't enforced unless it gets egregious. Do you know what, by Nevada state law, a legal roll constitutes of? No. Dice? Both dice have to hit the tumbler, the little alligator teeth on the back of the wall. That's what makes the, the, the throw random. When they hit those little, you know, have you ever seen, you know, of course yeah. you've seen it. There's like these little pointed things. Both dice, okay. Now, technically, you'll never see this because, you know, some people struggle. You know, older people, women. But technically, if both dice do not hit the, the, the back of the wall, a floorman has, or a pit boss, or a table supervisor has every legal right to step in and say no roll. Yeah. Okay. Now they normally don't because they know that that's not the intent. It would be obnoxious because you know first time throwers and sometimes you know like I said older people struggle. But a, a legal roll constitutes both dice hitting the back. You know we co- used to call them alligator teeth, and by it hitting that, there is no way to control the roll. There is no way. Even if you set them, the best dice setters in the world, that's a whole other subject, dice setting. Um, you know, some people think that you literally can set the dice in terms of how you have them, you know, pre-roll facing each other and throw a certain way that you can control the outcome. There are people that swear by it. I don't believe it. I've probably seen well over half a million dice throws in my life. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, it's, it's called uh, dice influencing, and it is a controversial yeah. topic of whether it can really be yeah. done. And uh, you, know, you know who was obsessed with that topic was uh, the late Alan Mendelssohn. He used to always talk about yeah, I uh, remember, dice influencing. I remember reading about it. But anyhow, so that's what constitutes, and I don't know if it's everywhere, I imagine it would be, but that's what constitutes a legal role, both dice hitting the wall. You can't slide them, go on. But I, I want everybody to understand who doesn't play craps that you wouldn't ever accidentally slide the dice. So that's why they're actually making it illegal. Not only is it not a legal role, but it's criminally illegal to do this dice sliding because it's something you have to put out effort and also practice to be able to do. It's a, If someone, I've never tried it, and if someone just handed me dice and said, hey, slide these across, I wouldn't be able to do it. They, they would tumble. So 
people do learn how to do well, this. And also, there's all the other measures that go into it, like distraction, you know, and, and sleight of eye. Because if you're watching it, you know, the naked eye is trained, or should be, to see that the dice... Well, then that, that's going to be the second part of this. So, the, yeah, okay, the, I was on. just explaining the dice sliding and what that is. And that's different than dice influencing. Some people think, oh, that uh, dice influencing is the same thing. No, it's not. Dice influencing, is it's legal if you want to try to do it. But uh, as Brandon said, there's a lot of belief that there's just no way to be able to yeah, successfully do it. Dice influencing or control throwing is 100% legal. Yeah. I just think it's bullshit. Yeah, it, it, there's a good chance it's bullshit. So then... The second part of this whole thing has to do with where this took place, because as Brandon said, the staff there, there there's several people working these craft ta- these craps tables. If anyone who's on staff notices this going on, and it's not very hard to see that the dice just slide across and don't tumble, uh, then this will be invalidated. The role will be invalidated. In fact, you can be uh, trespassed, you can be arrested, So, uh, depending on whatever the circumstance is. So it's very hard to get away with, even if you can learn how to do it. You can't just go to the casino no, it's and illegal. do it. It's not, yeah. it's not even going to be trespassed. Like, if you get caught doing it, any money you've won is an ill-gotten gain. You'll be arrested. Gaming will be called. Yeah, so... It's not something where they're just going to say, sir, you can't do that, please. No, you will be arrested. You're yeah. not going to be trusted. It's stealing. That, that's that's, that's it's probably true, yeah. So, so if... The thing is, it's not done very often because there's a number of employees around the I mean, table. It's really, akin to, it's really akin to using a computer, some software, to make a slot machine pay out of jackpots. It's the same thing. You're stealing. Yeah, so... I mean, it's not... Yeah. So, so that's why you don't hear about this very often, because it's something that is caught very easily with all the different uh, employees that are around there. But I'll tell you how this one and took it's place. It's not sustainable. It's, yeah. it's not sustainable. So here's how this one took place. The guys who did it this time realized that there was a type of table that might be vulnerable to this, and that was an electronic craps table. Now, an electronics craps table is not the same as bubble craps or other types of craps where you can play on some sort of craps machine where it tosses the dice for you and you don't physically handle them. I'm talking about ones where, and I've never played on one of these, but this is a table that was meant to reduce staffing costs for casinos. So about three years ago, these started popping up everywhere. Yeah. And they have little, they look like a traditional dice table, but instead of placing your bets through a dealer, there's a kiosk in for a little screen, like an iPad type screen in front of you. And that's where you place your bets. And if you notice in the charges that they were charged with, there were some like slot charges, uh, you know, added in there. And the reason why those were was because these are these specific craps machines or ticket in ticket out machines, which you're buying in through putting money in a you know bill bill uh validator like you would a slot machine you're not exchanging cash for chips but everything else is the same but you make your bets not through the dealer but through a terminal in front of you and that's how you buy in that's where you swipe your player's card as well you insert it into your own little personal terminal and some people liked it for the sense that uh you know your bets are private meaning you know if you want to say you want to bet on the don'ts like you know craps is a social game and those of you that have played craps long enough will see where there's a whole table and everyone's on the on the pass line. There's a one guy on the don'ts and, you know, people sometimes, and I'm not mean-spirited, but, you know, mock him for doing it. The way this was done, and, you know, to protect anonymity, if someone wanted to fire or whatever, 
you you can't see other people's bets. Okay, yeah, well. and there is a lot of social pressure sometimes at the craps table to, to not bet on things like the don't because uh, you're perceived as going against uh, everybody else's bet. So yeah, the Brandon brings up a good point with that. So between the the privacy, it allows people to place whatever bets they want without any kind of uh, social pressure, and the much less staffing requirements. So this particular table, and I, I don't know if they're all like this, but I know they have less staff. That's the reason that they were being tried out in these casinos. This one at the Cosmo that we're going to talk about had just one dealer and no other personnel. So unlike other craps tables, I'm sure you guys, some of you may not have played craps, but I'm sure you've walked by craps tables before and you see several employees around the craps table. This doesn't have that. This has one dealer and that's it. So these guys who wanted to pull this uh, dice sliding scheme, said, well, this is where we can do it. Because all we have to do is have this one person, this one dealer not see us and what we're pulling, and then we will be able to get away with it, where there's no way to distract five people. And by the way, all of them were like that. Yeah, okay, all they're all like them, that? All okay. of them had one dealer. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know if they all had one, but did, I knew this one for sure only had one at, at the Cosmo. So these guys who did it though like many of these criminals uh, weren't very smart they got too greedy and uh it, it was just a, a matter of time that they're going to get caught so these guys michael jackson once said these weren't smooth criminals they, they weren't <laughs> so it's they did this over a six-day span that, that's the first problem right there you don't if you're going to cheat in a casino you don't do it over six days because that's uh basically guaranteeing they're going to catch up with you and figure out what you're doing so he did it uh over a six-day span these four guys and they won $226,000 over these six days. And this occurred in December 2021. It's not quite two years ago, about a year and a half ago. The four people who were arrested, it's no one I've ever heard of, so presumably these aren't people in poker. It was uh, uh, Anchatura Porn Kamanlert, and I believe that's uh, a Thai person because uh, the porn, I'm not even kidding, the porn is at the end of that first name, Ansha Raporn. Uh, I've seen that porn in uh, Thailand. That's uh, a lot of the names over there have that name. In fact, I actually, it was funny. I, I met a woman in Thailand. And not, 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 not what you guys are thinking. This was actually a tour guide. But her name was actually just porn, which is kind of funny to hear. But Ansha Raporn Kamenlert. I'm not sure if that's a male or female. Huao No, N-G-O. Now, he's Vietnamese. Maybe, I think it's a he. How No. And hold on, just to be clear, because I just got a text. No, this isn't a form of AP gambling. This is no, 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 <laughs> stealing, cheating. It's yeah, it's not. not it's not. It's not advantage play. Advantage yeah. play. No, this is not it's advantage not. play. No, it's really paramount to cheating. Like, yeah, I mean, it is. It's yeah, this is this is direct cheating. This is different than uh, finding an opportunity to the casino where uh, the odds are in your favor and, and doing as much as you can. This isn't even something like what 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 Phil Ivey did with the uh, card with the baccarat with the edging. It's yeah. totally different. Yeah. The, the, so then the other two people, Max Rappaport and Oscar Rodriguez. Now, I will say one thing about this gang of cheaters. This is very much like a TV gang. If you notice on a TV gang, it's, it's multi-ethnic. You, you won't have like a gang of... Uh, unless sometimes you'll have like four white people, but it's like four people. It'll never be four black people or four Hispanic people. So if they're going to have any minorities in the gang on TV... It's always got to include different races, so there's not a racist element to it. So I will give like credit. South Park with, with Token. Yeah. Token. So I will give credit to this, this cheating gang here. It looks like there could actually be four different uh, uh, nationalities and races here. So I, we may have a Thai person, a Vietnamese person, 
the third is probably either white or black. I don't see pictures of them. But Max Rappaport is the one who appears is probably not uh, white, black, or Hispanic. Or is, is, you know, he's probably white or black. And then Oscar Rodriguez is, is, is probably Hispanic. So we probably have a Hispanic, a white or black guy, and two Asians, but two different types of Asians. So it's a very diverse gang. I'll give them that. They're very diverse. And this isn't common, by the way. Usually when I see these uh, cheating groups, that they're often along the same lines of uh, nationality and ethnicity. It, it's not one particular ethnicity, but... It's an equal opportunity cheating group. Yes, yeah, so like usually it's four white guys together, four Asian guys together, four Armenian guys together, four Arab guys together, uh, four black so guys together. The first, this may be the first woke cheating group ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I give them credit for the diversity here. So th- it says... Justin, if Justin Bonomo had to be proud of a bunch of cheaters, it would be this one. <laughs> Maybe one of them is, is gay or trans, too. That would be better. Especially, especially if they suck cock. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll get to that. Wait, there's a reason I said that, yeah. by the way. So yes. Don't, don't let me forget or you at some point talk about that. Yeah, that's right. We, we had to mention that we're Justin Bonomo. I can't believe I forgot to put that in the agenda. Anyway. Uh, that's why you got me here. The gaming, Nevada Gaming said that these four, this very diverse gang, they were observed both together on the table and away from it during and after fraudulent dice sliding activities occurred. Before illegally sliding the dice and then... One person, they didn't. the name was redacted, so I can't say which one of them, but one of the names listed would signal the other by placing single wagers in a circle motion around the main screen. So uh, these four were released on their own recognizance, but the reason this is coming out now... I find that kind of odd. Yeah, that was kind of no odd that there's no bail. Yeah, that, how could I read that in the article. I wonder if that was true or, or, or not. It's po- they ended up going to prison, so I don't even understand how how they just let them go. Okay. Yeah, that was weird too. Yeah, well, there's no bail involved. But anyway, they they are going to be at a preliminary hearing, and I'm, I'm I mean, you think about it. You steal a quarter million dollars from a casino, and, and there's not even a bond. Yeah, well, here's the other You're weird like thing. Police, like, here's the other weird know. thing: the fact that this is coming out now is because there was a preliminary hearing scheduled for June first. I'm not sure how it went, but why no, did it, it take wasn't a preliminary? It was a gaming hearing. That's wrong. It oh, okay. was a gaming hearing. It was a gaming. They had a hearing in front of gaming June first. But were these Whatever guys were says, they convicted sir, already? Wrong. I don't think they were convicted though, were they? Not yet. Uh I don't know the legal ramifications, but they had an appearance in Carson City uh June first. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. But why did it take so oh, long? It wasn't a preliminary hearing in the courts. It was a hearing before gaming. Okay, fine, but, but it's been 18 months, and, uh, like, why why is that just happening now? Why is it? Why is the preliminary hearing two years later? What? Or it's not preliminary. I keep saying Why is the gaming hearing 18 months, 18 months later? Yeah. Because it didn't say this, but this is what I'm assuming. They were probably going to put them on the black book of cheats and ban them from the casinos, and by law... They have to offer a hearing before they... Oh, okay. Maybe maybe that's what it is. But I, I'm not reading that they were ever in court for this criminally, so maybe that case hasn't uh, come through the system yet either, which is also weird. Okay, well, either way, so people understand, there's two separate things that can happen here or that will happen. One is the criminal courts, and the second is the civil part of Nevada Gaming. They, Nevada Gaming can't put somebody in jail. They, they are not a judge. They're not a jury. You know, they can't decide a criminal fate, but what they can do and what they will do is they will have a hearing when people cheat and, uh, you know, 
this is common and again this is by law they have to offer that in most cases the cheats don't show up because like what do you how do you defend your you know you're you're done um so i'm assuming and i'll look back i'll, I'll find out what what what, what happened in, in this hearing um but then you know they'll be banned for for you know normally either life uh, that's what they normally do and there's actually oh, we've talked about this before in the show all of this is online you can actually google nevada black book and you can see every person that is banned from being in a casino um and uh they're offered a hearing to give a defense before they vote so on and so forth so the two separate things you know a criminal court and then a hearing you know before nevada gaming that was what occurred this past thursday and i'm guessing none of them showed up um they probably already made plea deals uh, uh, you know, Google, did you Google their names and see if anything came up? No, I haven't like Googled the their names on that years? yet. No, I, I have, I assume the article would have said if they were convicted. That's a long time. Yeah, that's, no, the reporting, was this, is this the review journal you're reading off No, of? it was another, uh, news site, but I, I would think they would be mentioned if it was, if they were convicted. So maybe it hasn't been right. completed yet. I'm going to look it up while you talk. So, yeah, that, I mean, I don't have much more to say about this other than, uh, this, I understand why they thought maybe they could get away with it because of the one dealer and nobody else that works for the casino there at that table. But uh, their mistake was to come back six days worth of this. It looks like they got away with it for five of them. And then uh, eventually something happened that made this suspicious or maybe it was seen. I just don't know how they thought they could keep doing this for as long as they did. And just consistently get away with it. But a lot of these criminals are just stupid. That That's really the answer. I was going to say three words because they're stupid. They get away with it once. And you know how that is. How does everyone ever usually get caught? You know, either stupid or you're greedy. And that's a combination of both. Yeah. You keep going back because you think it's easy money. And you know what they're probably doing? They're probably taking whatever they're making and then just blowing it, chunking it off, playing legal gambling. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, being honest or partying, you know, whatever. In Vegas, and then they, you know, it's not like they were sitting and putting it in lock boxes and saving it for the retirement. So they just thought they found something no one was going to catch on, and they were just dumb, dumb. And apparently, they learned how to slide it because there is a bump on the table on the electronic table that's meant to prevent this. But I guess uh, it with enough practice, you can learn to do it to where the dice can actually go over the bump without tumbling. So uh, the bump isn't big enough to assured that the dice are going to tumble. So they, they were able to figure this out because I'm sure they just spent a lot of time trying this over and over at home before uh, going out to the casino to do this. And it was also believed, by the way, that they did this elsewhere, but this was the one place they were caught red-handed. I didn't think I'd see a, a dice-sliding uh, story because it's something that's very hard to get away with. Uh, before you close off that subject... This is unbelievable. Funny enough, this just all uh, came out here, but there's an article. I always forget the Daily Mail. Is that like a tabloid, or the shit you read there? Is it kind of is it accurate? Actually, it is accurate. People call it a tabloid, but that's people who just don't like the fact that they just report everything. I kind of compare what we do over here to the Daily Mail, that they really delve into it and just put out everything, whether it's controversial or not. They just dig for all the facts and put it there, which I like. I like getting the whole story. This is what, this is what likely happened. They likely, you know, they did this when they were accused of doing it, of course. But for some reason, it either took 
some while a while for the investigation and then and then and then have them apprehended okay or there is something else that caused a massive delay because this hasn't even worked your way out worked its way through the criminal system yet uh the the accused have an attorney they all they all are sharing the same defense attorney and on march 26 this defense attorney released a statement saying that their defense attorney vehemently denied the charges of his clients i am confident after a thorough investigation my clients will all be vindicated and we will expose these allegations as nothing more than a losing hand quote unquote <laughs> to avoid rushing to judgment and instead allow the legal process to run its course while my clients clear their names on these totally baseless and frivolous allegations um then it says just to tell you again uh how inaccurate some of these news articles can be all the defendants were released on an unknown amount personal recognizance bond oh yeah so and the attorney's name uh is mitchell s bison of las vegas is the one is the person that is defending them i love how they always use these gambling quotes it is a losing hand for the state of nevada yeah it's so stupid so i think if i had to guess they probably just somewhat recently got charged they're probably investigating it for quite a while. Well, I, I have a theory of what caused the delay. Maybe they caught it at the time. Because there's no way a year and a half later they're going to go, oh, remember those people who played back in December? Let's let's look into this now. It, it I bet maybe they figured it out back in December of 2021, but these guys had left town. And then they, well, that's what I was saying. Right. They just apprehended them recently. Yes. Or, you know, who knows? So anyhow, it's funny because you know people don't realize this. But casinos share information. And I don't just mean like, you know, Harris with Caesars and, you know, companies that are owned by the same parent company. Casinos that aren't even together. It's kind of like, you know, a little gentleman rule type thing. You know, plus word gets out. So about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, like pandemic still going on, I noticed these crap, these crap or whatever you want to call non-dealer or electronic but they're not really electronic. We'll just call them terminal because uh, craps tables were all of a sudden being removed. They were that they were at C or they were at Caesars. They were at Harrah's. They were right in the front at Cosmo, like right in the prime, you know, area of the pit. Um, they were at Paris. They were at a number of places and they were kind of spreading like, you know, wildfire everywhere. Then all of a sudden they just started being removed. So I now, and I had no idea why, other than I just thought that this must not be popular, you know, because people, some people do like that interacting, you know, human effect of crops, it being a social game. For the most part, everyone roots together. Everyone can see each other's bets. Um, you know, there's three deal or, you know, two dealers and a stick man. It, you know, it's a social, it's, it's a social game. And you kind of take a lot of that away when you're just betting on terminals. And so, now, again, in hindsight, that's likely what happened. That word got out that this was going on and that these games weren't, you know, as protected. That's the most important thing. Uh, yes. That's the most important thing, you know, for, for you ask any pit boss, any casino manager, what's the number one most important thing about any specific table game? And it's, it's they're going to say 
you know, table game protection, protecting that game, not having a weak deal or not having any sort of a, a, you know, whatever where it could be taken advantage of, the game can be compromised. So that's likely what happened. Um, similar, I never really found out what caused this. But, I don't know, maybe five years ago, four years ago, these new age digital horse games started popping up everywhere. Have you seen these? Like, they're like old Sigma Derby that you used to put quarters in, but they're digital and they're fancy. And, you know, it's the same thing. You bet on a, a Perfecta. You bet on. You have to bet on at least two horses. And then before the race goes off, it gives you the odds. Okay, and of course, you know, the odds aren't true odds, you know, but... You know, and it's all with a hold on it. So most of the time, like the three to one, the two to one is going to win. But, you know, every thousand, five hundred races, whatever it may be, you know, a 40 to one shot comes in. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. So, okay. And they were popular because the minimum bet was like a dollar. And, you know, a lot of people camp out on these kind of games because, you know, why? You can drink free, you know, so it's kind of like and that's a drinking game. So they were everywhere. So out of the blue, with no reason why, okay, it gets removed from the cause or it gets removed from the Palazzo, which was one of the first places that had it. At that point, it was that uh, there was one of these at Caesars. There was one at the Cosmo. I mean, they were popping up and down. They were at, at the Circa. And they were popular, like I said. So I asked somebody that I knew that worked in gaming at uh, the Palazzo why it was removed. And I don't know if he didn't know the full details or he just wouldn't tell me, but there was something, some scandal happened, you know, he inferred cheating and there's something that went on and they were, they took the machine out till they could have the manufacturer look at it and figure out what was going on. Then in the coming weeks, boom, it's gone from Caesars. Boom. It's gone from Circa. Boom. It's gone from the, uh, Oh, what's the 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 link okay it just started they all started disappearing off the strip and they're gone and i'm sure they're all of it was based on the initial finding or of whatever happened at the plaza and that information was shared um so it's really really funny you know it's like a game of cat and mouse as soon as any sort of new table game or any game is brought into play although there are people that you know, allegedly are a lot smarter than me, you, Todd, test these games, they beta test it, you know, they, they test it again, and then again, people still find ways, okay, to either legally or illegally beat it, that the testers, that the, you know, the company, whether it's IGT or Game King or whoever, never discovered, this happens, this has happened a ton over the years I lived here, they you know, come out with something, and then it gets removed. They come out with something. People find a way to take advantage of it. And it's literally like a game of cat and mouse. And they put in more protections. Okay, which brings me to something else that, that we can just say on this subject. The Cosmo, to my knowledge, became the first company in Vegas to put little permanent mounted signs on certain slot machines, okay, on their property saying what? Yeah, so Brandon actually showed me this, uh, and it, it was interesting, and I, I can even post it later if you want to see uh, if it took a picture of it. But this is a sign that warns you about slot vultures. It's uh, these uh, scumbags who will uh, hang around casinos 
and it, it's not enough for they them to yeah they, it's they not enough for them to just do their own advantage play that part's fine but they see that certain slot machines will temporarily go into a positive expectation state that the uh, that some players don't understand is an expectation state. What I mean by that is some types of machines you will start to accumulate certain progress towards a, a bonus or a multiplier that if you play enough, eventually it will hit, and then uh, when that hits, you, you get a lot of money. So, of course, when the machine is very close to reaching that state, let's say if it's, it's accumulated uh, four of the five things that light up at the top of, of the screen to show that you're almost there, uh, then it's in a positive expectation state usually because you're so close to, to hitting that. It's not just randomly a hitting. A lot of times this, this could take thousands of dollars of coin in yes. to get close to this. Yes, and, and, and also most players, but not all, but most players are smart enough to be aware of this. You don't have to be a, a slot advantage player to know this. You see if you, it's very clear that that's the way this machine works. That once you've accumulated these uh, symbols on the top, that uh, it goes into a certain bonus mode that most people will not walk away from it while it's very close to one. But sometimes it happens because someone runs out of money or they're, they're just really clueless and don't understand. And that's when these uh, advantage players will swoop in and finish it off. Now, that part's fine. And that's called vulturing, where they're just kind of circling the casino, waiting for someone to leave it in that state and then finish it off. But that's fine. You know, that's... Uh, uh, casinos don't always love this, but uh, there's nothing unethical about it. But some of how much they can really do about it too. Well, they, they do 86 some people when they're caught vulturing. I mean, these but, are the people that are really aggressive. But, yeah. Oh, okay. I but mean, but there uh, are ways that you can you can do this somewhat uh, you know under the radar because there are enough casinos and 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 not get caught or not you know stay under the radar basically. So okay. Some people take it one step further, and this this is where the scumbaggery comes in. Is that it's not enough for these people to just wait for these machines because it, it's few and far between these opportunities. So what they do is they look for people who seem like they might be either clueless to this or ones who they think they can talk away from being at that machine and then take it over and, in that positive expectation state. my understanding state. is the most, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, the most common prey are, are the elderly and the Asian or, or those that look like they don't speak English or understand well. That's yeah. who they target. So then they will go up to the person, and I've even had this attempted on me before, but they'll go up to the person playing, and they'll try to talk them into leaving that machine and going to a different one. And there's one of various stories they use. They could say, I've been watching this machine all day. It's constantly losing. I bet you're losing here. Uh, I, I see a hot machine over but there. The approach is like they're, they're, they're befriending them and doing yes. them a favor and yes. being nice to them. Uh, there's a, there's a machine over there. I've seen it hit five times today. Uh, you should really try this one. Stop losing this machine. Or they'll say that, hey, I have a great opportunity for you. There, there's a machine that's over here that, that's hitting a whole lot. And uh, I, I want to show you it. So they don't even necessarily criticize the machine they're on right now. They said we have something better over here. And they're hoping that the potential victim doesn't understand that the machine they're on at the moment is actually the machine that's in the good state, that's uh, positive expectation at the moment it's being played. And these people who are doing this are figuring it's a free roll because at worst they'll be told no. So even if they, it's figured out what they're doing or if the player just thinks this is weird and doesn't want to leave, then nothing's going to happen to them. So if, if anyone tries to do this to you, by the way, if you're just sitting here playing and some weirdo comes up to you and tries to talk you into moving to a different machine, uh, you should... Well, they might not even be a weirdo. They may be a nicely dressed professional. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, okay, it doesn't have to look like a weirdo. But so just some random person coming to you and, and trying to offer this, uh, you, you may want to hit the 
the service button, and then when a, an employee comes over, explain what happened, they'll send security over and boot that person and eighty six them for it if they do it because this shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't be harassing players here, and it it, it really is a, a scummy thing to do. And as Brandon said, they will target people that they think are most likely to to fall for it, such as the elderly or people who don't speak English. So, but apparently this became a prevalent enough problem. Yes, that they have permanent placards mounted on the games that. Yeah, and I'll read it. States, as Todd described. Yeah, here's what it says on 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 any game that is like this, where you're accumulating something at the top or in some other section of the machine, which uh, you're accumulating something towards a bonus. It says this game has a persistent bonus feature. Be aware of strangers advising you to change machines for any reasons. So that's new. I've never seen these signs before, but these are actually signs that are attached to the machine. Small signs like right above where you put your card in at the Cosmo. The, I'll, I'll post it on uh, you know what I'll post it I'll post this up on the Vegas Casino Talk the sister site to Poker Fraud Alert that I also own and I'll, I'll post this up there it's, it's interesting that they're actually now advising against this and uh, making people aware that people are trying to get you to change machines but yeah I've had this before too where they'll come up to me and give me some weird story about why I need to move machines. <laughs> and, uh, obviously, That's I don't funny. move. You, but... you of all people, that they would, you know, you don't look. I mean, you look intelligent. You don't look, you know, you look like one of them. I think you they just like, take a shot. You know. I just think they they just take a shot with everybody. So anyway, that uh, that's interesting. What Brandon noticed. Okay, I'll move on to another Vegas topic. Oh, you know, before I forget, uh, I know it was it would have been last week's show. I, I'm assuming, but if not, it's really interesting. Did you talk about the murder at Caesar's Palace? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so before we get to the next Vegas topic, I want to talk about the Bonomo things before I forget. He posted something that was really weird on June first. And want to pull it up, or do you? Have I, it? I have it right in front of me. Right. So, first of all, most of you know this, but I'll just quickly say it anyway. Justin Bonomo is a very outspoken left-wing guy, and uh, he's openly polyamorous. I, I think at some point he said he's bisexual, but. Whatever, like I don't care if he's bisexual. Well, you're about to read, I think it's 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 likely he is. Yeah, but I think he may have mentioned it before he was. But whatever, like if he I, isn't, he's a hypocrite. Then. Yeah, well, I I don't care what what Justin Bonomo does sexually. You know, he can do what he wants. Uh, that, you know, it may be things I I, I wouldn't want for myself or, or wouldn't find appealing. But that part you wouldn't want for me either, Booby. I I don't think I'd want it for you either. But you know, unless you really enjoyed it. But come on, no. J- Justin Bonomo. Uh, what does bother me about him is he's this very sanctimonious left-wing guy who has to make everything political. Everything. Like, I'll give you an example of something he did last year that pissed off Negranu and a lot of other people who were just observing this. But remember when Negranu was going through a bad run at the World Series and bricking everything? And so Negranu took a really bad beat and he slammed his selfie stick against the wall and broke it. And, uh, How was that a poker go tournament? That wasn't the World Series. It wasn't the World Series. I thought it was the World Series. Nope, nope. Where well, he broke the plexiglass. Nope, it was no, no, not the plexiglass. No, 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 no. You're thinking the wrong thing. I am right. This was his selfie stick that he oh. he took his selfie stick and slammed oh, it against no, the wall. Sorry, he also notoriously broke a plexiglass. Yes, at member. Okay, sorry, you're right. So you're when Negreanu did that, but same thing, same anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. Bonomo tweeted that this is keeping women out of the game. Because uh, uh, Negranu yeah. is, is uh, displaying violence and it's scaring women and this is why they don't play. So Negranu is furious about this. And he was right to be furious because this is not keeping women out of the game. It's not like Bonomo was threatening a woman or berating a woman. He had taken a bad beat against another man. And 
he didn't do anything to the other man. He took his own selfie stick and went to the wall and slammed it against the wall and broke it. So I'm not saying that's the right thing to do when you take a bad beat. Um, and in fact, one of the tournaments I bricked uh, this week, I, I took a bad beat to go out and I just quickly picked up my stuff and left, which is the best thing you should do. But uh, fine. It was a moment of anger because he was having a tough summer. He was down a bunch of money at the time. And uh, so he broke his own selfie stick. But this is not going to push women away from the game. It was crazy, but he was stretching so much because Bonomo has to always be the guy who has to show that he cares, that he's he's always defending those that he sees in a victim class. So he he stretched this thing with Negranu to make it like Negranu is making women uncomfortable. It's, it's crazy. So Negranu got really pissed and uh, released a video and, and, and bashed him on the video. It was, it was pretty funny, actually. But Bonomo does this type of thing all the time. So this isn't even just the guy who doesn't agree with me politically, who expresses opinions that I think are uh, incorrect. He's just very obnoxious and sanctimonious in the way he does this. And it's always from the standpoint of, I'm very sensitive and I care. In fact, I care more than the rest of you. I care about my fellow man more than everybody else here. So I'm better than you. That's, That's the attitude you get from him when you read his tweets. So that's that's the way he's been acting. He's made a lot of people irritated with him over time, including many who are left of center politically. So it's not like it's all right-wingers that don't like him. There's a, there's a number of people who are kind of like center-left who vote Democrat in most elections and who hate Trump and things like that. But even a lot of these people are annoyed by Bonomo's actions. And, and there's even Democrats and liberals who find him to be ridiculous and over the top and, and are a bad example of the rest of them. So they think he's making them all look bad, which that's a good point. So anyway, he tweeted something, though, on June 1st that even for him was weird. <laughs> I, I, I don't even fully understand why he tweeted this, but this is what he wrote. Now, it is true that June is considered Pride Month. It's a, like a gay pride, trans pride, you know, it's for the whole uh, LGBT community. Uh, this is the Pride Month, June, has been designated that. And uh, so June 1st, the first day of June, this is what he tweets. Hey, dudes, it's Pride Month, and it's 2023. So if you're 25 years old plus, and you haven't experimented yet by sucking a dick or three, honestly... And those are exact words, by the yes. way, folks. It's not that he's not gruff, is it? Yeah, I'm reading it right now. I'm reading it from his Twitter. So he's if, reading it verbatim. Yes. So if you're 25 years old plus, and you haven't experimented yet by sucking a dick or three, honestly, just grow up and live a little. <laughs> What do you have to lose? And then he puts the rainbow flag to and conclude for it. For those that don't know, you know that uh, you know that we don't follow the names. Uh, two things about him, uh, you know, that we could just say sum him up. Uh, he was exposed now many many years ago, but still as one of the early first multi blatant multi account cheaters in poker. Uh, and he also is. The all-time, he goes back and forth, but he's either number one or number two in terms of the all-time winningest uh, money leader in poker tournaments. Yeah, he plays so a lot of very high-stakes, uh, yeah, high-stakes, uh, super high-stakes poker tournaments, and uh, and then you know, he does well. So he he has like know, sixty million in total cashes. That's not profit, but this is the, in total cashes. As Brandon said, it's him and another guy who kind of go back and forth as who's number one, who's number I think two. It's him and Brent Kenny, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's who it is. So. Anyway, uh, 
he's very prominent, obviously. He's not just some guy we talk about in poker social media. This is someone who people will look up. He is up. number one over Bryn Kenny by $4 million. He has earned, six before this World Series, $61 million. $254,000 in his career. Yeah, in, in, in cashes. So now a lot of that's spent in buy-ins, but but still, that's uh, he has the most in total cashes of all time in anyone in poker. So it, it's important to note that because this makes him very prominent. This makes him someone that... It makes him almost a role model. Yeah, it does. A spokesman. It does. Even if you don't want to be uh, a, a, an ambassador of the community, even you say, well, this isn't the role I want, this is a role you get when you're one of the most prominent players who is the top tournament earner of all time. And this isn't someone who just keeps to himself and happens to live a controversial life behind the scenes. This is someone who is constantly tweeting things like, not necessarily like this, this is the first time he's tweeted this type of thing, but he always tweets provocative things that he thinks are going to get people uh, angry or frustrated or or uh, or at least he knows that when he tweets it. I don't know if he's tweeting it for the reason of, of trying to uh, troll people who don't agree with him, but... He does tweet things that he knows are going to be controversial. So this is someone who very much throws himself into social media controversy. But this is the first time I've seen anything like this. I mean, to, to tweet out that you need to try sucking a dick or three if you're a guy, and you need to grow up and live a little if you haven't done it yet and you're 25 or older. I don't know why it's 25 or older. Why? Like, why not aim this at, at all guys who are over 18? I don't understand the 25 part, but... Uh, he's he's and he's only aiming this at men. It's not even a, at women. It's not even like, hey, women who don't do this, uh, maybe you should try sucking your dick. It's not that. He's actually aiming this at men, twenty-five and up. If you have not sucked a dick yet, then grow up. How's that growing up? Like, how- by the way, there's no context <laughs> about this other than the fact it was National uh, it, Pride uh, Week. Uh, yeah, what is Pride it? Month. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there wasn't like a discussion. It just that was his opening tweet. Yeah, it was just out of nowhere. Like, yeah, that was he just dropped yeah, it out of yeah. nowhere. It's it's so weird. So then people were discussing like, what is this? Is this just a troll? Is this just trying to rile people up? Is this uh, serious advice? Is it half serious advice? I don't know. And it, I I've thought about this. I, I can't believe I've spent time thinking about this, but I have. Uh, I've thought about this, and I can't even decide whether this was just something he wanted to do to piss off right-wingers and those he sees as homophobes, or if this is actual advice that he feels that guys who haven't tried it yet, uh, that, that they're being immature and they're not growing up and they're being uh, uh, the, afraid to try something because they're homophobic or something, which I think... If, no, if that, I mean, you almost got the impression he was putting people down or shaming them for not doing it. Well, and I have seen like this before. There's something wrong with them. I've like, seen this know. before. What's what's and it's so hypocritical. I have seen this before from uh, bisexual people, especially bisexual men, that sometimes feel that because they're bisexual, that everybody is, but just everybody else is repressed, and that if you do not want to try something with the same sex, then it's because you're repressed or you're bigoted or you're homophobic, which is so ridiculous. And in fact, that's basically the same argument that used to be used decades ago about gay people. There used to be people that would tell those who were gay, oh, you're not really gay. You just need to try being with a woman. Or they tell a woman, you just need to try being with the right man. You, you won't be a lesbian anymore. And they wouldn't be accepted for their true sexual orientation, they were told that if they just try it or they just find the right person of the opposite sex, but that's silly. That they'll I mean, change. No, it's, of course it's silly, and that's a, yeah. and the, so so now people in 2023 look back on those who said such things as being ridiculous, and that scene is very antiquated. But then yet you have people like Bonomo 
who are saying this today on the other side, saying that if you're a man who's above 25 that hasn't sucked a dick, then grow up and live a little. What do you mean live a little? What if you have no desire to? What if you're not attracted to men? Because I'm 51, and I'll tell you guys, I'm, I'm totally honest about this. I'm 51, and I, I have never sucked a dick, and I never will. And it's not because of homophobia. It's because I have no desire to. Because I have I mean, no living a little to me is trying, you know, some new Ethiopian restaurant when I've never had Ethiopian food, or you know, you know, I mean, that's not, yeah, that's the wrong. Yeah, and grow up like gr- little, the like grow that. up is really just so condescending. Like that, uh, you just haven't grown as a I person. Mean, what's the difference? I'm just uh, this might be outlandish, you know, of, of me or someone tweeting, "Hey, you know, for, if you're 30 and above, and you've never, and you're a woman, and you've never had anal sex." You know, try it once or three times. Live a little. I mean, if I wrote that, people would just, you know, trash me. What would be even worse is if you said, if you said, if you're a gay man who's above 25 and hadn't had sex with a woman yet, uh, try it and live a little. Grow up. Like that would really get a lot of anger uh, if you were to write something like that. And uh, but it's not about growing up. That would be a stupid tweet if you wrote that. And this is a stupid tweet. I I mentioned it to a couple of my friends, and they thought that he was being facetious or sarcastic or whatever and i said no i think he's being serious i, I think you know he, he's saying this seriously he's not there's no uh underlining message other than that's what he you know what i mean I, I, yeah because i i can't really find exactly i can't really find what point this is making if it's some sort of satirical post to right, make right, fun of exactly. the of, of the people who are right wing um, th- there's nothing to compare it to. It's not like he's writing something ridiculous that's similar to what right-wingers say. It's not like he's writing something that is going to make some sort of sly point if you really think about it. I've sat here trying to figure out what this could be if it is not serious, and the only thing I can come up with is he's just intentionally writing something outrageous to get people angry. But even then, yeah. like, why would you write that? Like, th- The thing is, he's not just some random in poker. There's a, there's a lot of trolls out there on poker Twitter who just write things to piss people off. But they're not the number one tournament earner in the world. So the position he is in by being the number one tournament earner in the world, and someone who I know wants to be taken seriously, it's not even like he's he wants to be known as a ridiculous guy. He wants you to take him seriously. So why he would write something like this, it, it, I don't know. And it, it makes poker look bad. People know of him, or, or they'll even just look up, you know, who's the number one tournament earner in the world. They'll, they'll get the answer, Justin Bonomo. They'll look at his Twitter and say, oh, my God, what is this? It's such a weird thing to write. It's, it's not like he's just expressing that he's bisexual or that he, he likes sucking dick. Like, I don't know why you'd even announce that anyway. Like, even if you are bisexual and you like sucking dick, why, why would you go on Twitter to announce that? So, uh, but he's not even saying what he likes. He's, he's telling you to do it and that there's something wrong with you if you don't want to. So it's crazy. And, and this is one of many reasons why you just can't ever take anything he says seriously. And uh, when I say that, I don't mean because he's a jokester. I mean because uh, he, he's just uh, a ridiculous person. A ridiculous person who wants you to take him seriously, which is the worst of all worlds there. But it's, it's really not a good example you have to watch a little bit more what you say if you are someone that is widely followed and seen as like a representative of the community. You, you don't want uh, the number one earner in poker being the one telling all guys 25 and above to suck dick or otherwise they're not grown up. It's crazy. I don't care what the reason is for that tweet. It's a, it's a stupid tweet. And uh, Now, Matt Glantz made a, a funny response to this. 
Matt Glantz has been trolling Bonomo for a long time, by the way. But uh, Matt Glantz are they friendly or is no, it no, no, no. They're not friendly at all. In fact, they were. They were Glantz put out a pretty uh, nasty tweet about him today, saying that uh, oh, wow. calling him an intellectual fraud. He said, and this wasn't a joke. He actually meant that. But anyway, uh, Matt Glantz responded to Bonomo's tweet there about the sucking dick, saying, "Any suggestions for Black History Month?" <laughs> <laughs> now justin's gonna have to wait till uh, february for that one but uh i don't know maybe on february 1st we'll get uh, a black history month uh, suggestion as well but uh, J- bonomo he really is like a parody of a really ridiculous outlandish left winger that's like a stereotype of like the worst type of left winger this would be like a character you would see in a movie to go come on you know lefties politically aren't really like that this is like an exaggeration of, a, of like a really 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 ridiculous person that wouldn't exist in real life but the, no that's that's him that's him so that's the reason that some on his own side don't even like him unbelievable okay so going on to the next uh, vegas topic here does it i mean be honest does it make me a bad person or something inherently wrong with me to find that post disgusting no it doesn't it's, it's i agree and it would be the same thing if i read someone like lately right like about you know performing fellatio on a woman like it's just it's you know it's not you know what i'm saying like it just it's it grossed me out reading it it was just and you know the other thing is like i don't know how is that is a tweet like that even allowed yeah it is no you oh yeah oh i did it oh no no you can you you can tweet uh you can tweet sucking dicks you could tweet let me tell you something you you can actually tweet out blatant porn you can actually tweet a video of yourself sucking dick, and it would be allowed. Is that because is that because Elon Musk? No, it's it, o- it's always been allowed. There's porn oh, stars who use Twitter, that. porn stars and and uh, webcam girls and stuff, and and they'll have their Twitter up there, and if you go there, you'll you'll see uh, hardcore porn there. Yet I wrote the word egg slut, which is a restaurant that I love at the Cosmo on Facebook once, and I got post banned for a week yeah on, on facebook you can't but yeah twitter i've been surprised and and i found this actually where i'll have some one of these accounts that usually probably bots but they're following me and then i'll click on like i'll get a new follower i'll think oh this is probably a fake person because it's like some really pretty girl with huge breasts that are like uh uh shown almost completely out i mean i, I don't think this is the likely follower of mine so i click and sure enough it's like some sort of uh uh, bot or, or porn site uh, that's that's just trying to follow people so it looks legitimate. Anyway, I, I'm sometimes shocked what I see there. Like the the hardcore porn I see actually right there posted publicly to Twitter. You don't have to follow them either. It's just right there. I don't follow these bot accounts or anything, but uh, yeah, it's right there. So you not only can you talk about this, you could actually post a video doing it. Thankfully, thankfully, Justin Bonomo did not post a video of him actually doing this so that's that's the one good thing i can say so he just uh described it but didn't actually show us but yeah what a weirdo okay so next vegas story there's something that happened that validates my type of actions when i stay at a hotel and i've gotten criticism for this from various people even in my own family some people have criticized me for not getting the maid service in my hotel rooms. And uh, this has nothing to do with COVID, by the way. This is not being scared the maids can give me COVID. Obviously, I'm not worried about getting COVID if I'm going and playing at the World Series. So this has nothing to do with COVID. This is what I've done long, long, long before COVID existed. 
I rarely get maid service. And if I do, it's usually because I've been in the same room for a very long time or because I'm with my family and there's a number of us in the room and then it gets dirty a lot faster. But if I'm, if I'm by myself and I'm there for five days or fewer, I never get the maid service unless something happens where I need it. You know, if I spill something and need it cleaned, then, then I'll get maid service. But aside from some incident that occurs that I need uh, the service for, I don't get maid service at all. And the reason I don't is because I see it as needless. Because do I, do I have a maid cleaning my house every day at home? No, of course not. So why would I need a maid cleaning my hotel room every day? It's basically the same thing. And I find the maid to be either a pain in the ass where I have to just sit around waiting for them to clean, or if I let them do it when I'm not in the room, then I am worried they're going to either steal something or break something or just kind of misplace something. Like I remember where everything is in the room, even if it looks disorganized when you walk into my room, in my mind, I know where everything is. And then the maid has to move things around to clean. And, and she can also like, knock, knock something off the table or the desk that I don't really like got knocked down and then I'll, I'll forget it. I just don't like people in the room messing with things, even if just what they have to move well, around well, to clean. If you're, if you're one person, like you said, and you're tidy anyhow, you just don't even need it. Right, and that, that's I was saying that too. Now, now if I'm with the family yeah. and, and it gets dirty a lot faster, especially with a kid there, um, then I will get it sometimes. But still, if we're there for one or two days, three days, I, I don't get it. It's only like a long stay in the same place, I'll get it. But I generally don't like having the maid, and I've had some people criticize me for this, including, again, other family members have given me a hard time about this, saying that this is stupid and I'm being paranoid. And, oh, I've, I've been going to hotels for this many years. I, I've never once had a problem. This is just you being strange about it. Well, this vindicates me, the story I'm about to tell you right now. Because an incident occurred in Las Vegas where a maid burglarized various... Oh, I sent this to you. Okay, yep, I remember. ...various hotel rooms at the Vidara and a total of 600... $768,000 worth of jewelry was stolen. That's crazy. This is a crazy, crazy story. Now, this did not occur while the rooms were being cleaned, but uh, I'm sure that the rooms were targeted by the maid after seeing them after she cleaned them. And as with this other crime we talked about, uh, the criminal was not smart. In fact, was even dumber here than the dice sliders. So this was not, again, not a brilliant heist. But still, there there was uh, $768,000 worth of jewelry stolen from the Vidara, which uh, is next to the Aria. These are... Uh, it's in the city. It's a part of city. It's part of city center, and it, it's... Uh, kind of like uh, condos there, but uh, you, you can stay there. You don't have to own a condo to stay there. It is an MGM property. It doesn't have a casino. If you want to go to a casino, you have to go next door to the Aria, which is an MGM property as well. This was done by a maid named Amanda Melendez. She ended up using a missing key card that was unaccounted for, which was why she was able to get away with it at first. That's how she accessed the rooms. She had access to that room, uh, one of the rooms where the thefts occurred, at least one of them. So as I said, she probably cased them first to see what had stuff to steal. 
and then used a key card that was uh, either stolen or lost that she found that was uh, also an employee key card to access the rooms. So she felt that wouldn't be traced to her. But it was a room that she had accessed recently as well that they yes. figured that uh, that made her suspicious. That must have been what she thought was being so smart. Oh, yeah, I'll just use my own card to do the cleaning, and then later I'll steal after hours with this other card, and they won't suspect me. Of course, that didn't work. So this is on uh, May 7th. Three people at the Vidara reported that uh, a total of 14 items were missing from their hotel rooms. And uh, these included uh, expensive watches, like uh, Rolex watches, uh, one of them with uh, uh, worth more than $100,000. Uh, ne- expensive di- diamond necklaces, Cartier bracelets, and a gold ring. So this was uh, they were going after jewelry here. And uh, apparently she was planning this along with a dude who was in the Clark County Detention Center already. So she had the, uh, the jailbird boyfriend. And uh, while she was calling him through the, the jail phone, like when you would go visit a, in a, a prisoner there and you speak to that uh, little phone through the glass, she was calling him names like Daddy, Master, and King and uh, actually described what she was going to do. And uh, I guess wasn't aware that they record these calls. And uh, she said that she was going to leave the door open and make the room look like, quote, something else took place. Now, the funny thing is that's not what she did. She was claiming what she was going to do is uh, just make it so the door wasn't completely closed and then uh, make it look like maybe another guest just got in. But I guess she thought better of it, realizing if her card was the last thing shown access, that the, that this would be guests. So I don't know why she changed the plan. That's probably why. But that was what she told her uh, daddy, master, and king, the guy who was in uh, uh, in the Clark County Detention Center, that, uh, that she was going to do this. And then she also uh, clocked out of uh, work. You know what? This, I guess this was a uh, – sorry, this was not the jailhouse phone. This was a collect call that he made to her that they were recording. So it wasn't through the jailhouse phone. It was through the jailhouse uh, payphone that he collect called her. You know, when you go, you, you have a collect call from an inmate in a detention center. By the way, Brandon, I, I, I don't want to go into a tangent here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, do you sometimes get scam detention center calls? Uh, I used to. I haven't recently. I, I get these. In fact, I got one last week where it says that uh, it says you have a call from, and then instead of hearing the name, it just goes, you just hear background noise, and then it says from a detention center or a correctional facility, something like that, and then it will tell you I've gotten them before the instruction. Before, yeah. So, so what they're hoping is that you're going to be concerned that someone you know and care about is trying to call you from jail and that for whatever reason they didn't say their name right and you just hear the background noise. Because the reason I can't say a name is you'll recognize the voice and, and the name won't match someone you know. And you'll say, oh, this is a stranger. I don't know them. But they're hoping just by having background noise, you'll think it is someone you know and they just didn't do it right. And then you'll accept it. And then uh, presumably I, – I, I can't go farther than that because some of these things can actually charge your phone bill if you accept them. So – I don't even want, even want to go that far. Like, if it was a thing where they had to ask her a credit card, then I would, I would accept and then just fuck with them when they try to ask me for the credit card info, if, if a human gets on the phone. But the problem is I, I didn't want to go that far because I was afraid it would charge my phone. But anyway, uh, this was a real call from her uh, prison boyfriend, and I guess she didn't realize they were recorded. So, uh, But they also showed that when she received this call, this collect call, that uh, right around the time uh, that call came in, is when uh, she was leaving work 
and that uh, surveillance footage also shows her leaving work at that time. So anyway, on uh, at uh, about 11 p.m. Uh, was when this was first discovered on May 7th that uh, basically the rooms were taken apart, that the bang- bags were opened and turned inside out, that the beds were unmade, uh, and that... Uh, People have gone. They had gone. That kind of money. Who leaves that kind of money without putting it in a safe? Yeah, I was stupid to not put it in the safe. Oh, but you'd be surprised. People just people leave stuff out all the time, and that's that's probably what she saw from cleaning room after room after room. That she probably started noticing that there's a lot of idiots who leave these valuables, either cash or 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 expensive jewelry, just laying out there. And so she probably eventually came up with this, like uh, we've got to come up with a way to steal it because it's very easy. So. Then uh, at uh, 7.54 p.m. is when the thefts occurred. I guess the people who were victims didn't notice until after 11. But uh, 7.54 p.m. is... Uh, actually, that, sorry, that's when she had gone into the, one of the rooms where the thefts occurred at 7.54. And then the stolen or missing key that was used to actually steal occurred just 21 minutes later, which is LOL. Like, imagine she's casing the room supposedly as part of her cleaning job at 7.54. And then at... Uh, 8.15, she goes in with the other key and steals. Like, why not leave, like, a few hours in between? 21 minutes? you got to be kidding me. And then she was arrested on May 15th and charged with felony residential burglary. I'm not sure why that's residential, but whatever. Uh, felony grand larceny exceeding $100,000. and it's, it's residential because uh, there's owned properties in there as well. Okay. And uh, condos that are owned. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that, that's a good point. See, that's why I have you around here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and misdemeanor conspiracy to commit burglary. And a status check for the case is on June 20th. So that was uh, a pretty dumb way to commit this. She, she must have thought she was such a genius with that second key. But 21 minutes she waits? She goes in with her own key? And then 21 minutes later comes with this other key and doesn't think it'll be suspected? It's crazy. And then she talks about it on a collect phone call from jail? Like how, do you, how do you not think that those aren't recorded? Like, oh my god, these, these people are so dumb. The problem is you just never know. The vast majority of these maids are honest people who wouldn't steal. But there's so many of them, you never know who you're going to get. And it only takes one time that you're going to get stolen from. It's so you can have a hundred good maids in a row, yeah. and the hundred first maid is a piece of shit and steals from you. The other interesting, well, maybe it's not interesting, but I read it, so I'll just say it, was that she had just started working there in uh, November, I think, or December. She hadn't been there long, and she had numerous arrests in her past for uh, solicitation of prostitution. Oh, which only, and I don't, you know, I'm not, this isn't about sex workers, but what that does to me is it just rings an alarm. What kind of due diligence is MGM doing in their background report? Yeah, they're probably not. Somebody. They're probably not. With, with a pass like that. For those type of positions, they're yeah, probably I mean, not, and it's a mistake. I, I would, well, I would think that, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, it's very hard now to... to hire those you know lower income jobs and they're short you know as it is and maybe that played a role but i always thought i mean i've never worked in that area but i've always thought that in 
the hospitality business in general, when it comes to hotels in Vegas, anyone that interacts with the customer, there's some sort of due diligence done on their background. So I don't know. I, I mean, I can't imagine they did because why? You know, they yeah, they would have found it right. But that that's yeah, very. But shit, I, I mean, we're not talking one shed. You know, seven or eight different soliciting arrests over the years. Well, so I don't know. And and the problem with those type of arrests being in the background is that people who do that are looking for easy money. Or I shouldn't say easy, but they're looking for quick money. And they're not the type who would want to work a low-wage job to kind of grind out a, a meager living. So if they're willing to sell their bodies like that and, and uh, make much more than they would as a maid, then that's the type of person who would be more likely to take the opportunity to get rich off of stealing from you than someone who is just yeah. satisfied well, with working. Of, a, it's kind of hard to go from you know making right you know that kind of money quickly to now you know making twelve dollars an hour. Yeah, and it's it's also just yeah, it's like a mindset too about uh, uh, easy bigger money versus uh, or at least quick bigger money. I don't want to say easy because it's not an easy job, obviously, but uh, you know, quick big bigger money versus uh, grinding small money at, at a regular and kind of unpleasant job. Some people just resign themselves to yeah, you know, it's not the greatest job, and I don't make very much money, but you know, I'll, I'll make it work. It's just uh, you know, I'm just going to make an honest living. And that's the way most of these maids are. But then uh, you have anyone with that in their past, I think they're much more likely to steal than ones who have just held a normal low-wage job for all or most of their life and are just kind of used to that and aren't looking to uh, find ways out of that uh, situation. So, yeah, this, this was pretty bad. And that's the problem. You just don't know who's coming in. You don't know who they are, what their motivations are, what they might do. And just keeping them out of the room completely helps a lot. Because let me explain this to everybody, why I take the position I do with, unless I'm here for a long time or have a real reason for it, I don't have the maid in here. If they don't come in, they don't have visibility into anything there. They don't know what's in the room and what's not in the room. They also don't have an excuse to have been in the room. So if... I give nobody at the hotel an excuse to come in, then they can't come in for any reason to to look at anything. It just it, it really just shuts out all visibility and makes any entry into my room other than done by me look very suspicious and and, and uh, would usually be traceable. And yeah, if they got some kind of missing or stolen key that wasn't reported yet and came in, yeah, they could. But then they probably wouldn't target my room again because they don't know what's in here. So, and it's not, you may say, well, you know, you're making a spectacle of yourself by not letting them in. They must think there's something big to protect. No, because there's a number of people who do this. So it's not even unusual to have people who just don't let the maid in. So it's not even like a person not letting the maid in equals lots of valuable stuff in the room. And you know what? A lot of times there's nothing valuable in the room. Or there's not much or there's not much they'd want to steal. So it's not like I I don't do this and I leave... uh, $50,000 $50,000 cash sitting on the table. Uh, I, I would never do that anyway. And, and also, a lot of people don't use the safe when they should. Now, the safe isn't perfect. There are ways to get into them, but it's a lot harder. It, it adds a big hurdle to this. So it's, it's so funny when people don't use the safe. Oh, those can be broken into. Well, it, it's better than not using it. Then that's just really easy. It's, it's much better to use the safe than to try to hide something in the room. Because like in this... 
even with this idiot, with all these mistakes she made, she did go through everything in the room and and basically took everything apart where anything could possibly Another be. Another weird thing, according to the Review Journal, she was released on her own recognizance. <laughs> Like seven hundred fifty million dollars. It was seven fifty or three. Really, I, I thought you were joking. 000, you, you're serious? It? She really was? Yeah, that's what it said. Oh, I thought you were joking based on the other no, thing we were talking. No, 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 no. She was. Oh, oh no my joke. gosh. How much was it again? Seven hundred fifty thousand. Seven hundred sixty-eight. What's really surprising yeah. is why wouldn't she just? Uh, unless she's on like has like an ankle bracelet. Why wouldn't she just leave town? Because if if you're facing yeah. enough prison time, why would people not leave? If they know that they've basically been caught well, and it's going to be... you don't know the scenario. You know, kids in school, she lives with her mom. I mean, you know, who, I mean, you know, I mean, just, you don't know. If there's, yeah, if there's something really know. keeping her here, but it kind of doesn't sound like she's got the, the prison and then boyfriend. You, and that's the other thing. And that's the other thing. She's not obviously a mastermind criminal, so she doesn't know offense. What is she going to do with it? All that stuff gets pawned and it, the serial numbers, she gets caught. Like, you know what I mean? She well, that's well, that's why what? it's a dumb crime. But I'm saying that as far as uh, letting them walk out without any kind of bail, the, the big you know the people a lot of people don't realize the stealing part's the easy part. It's disposing of it that's the hard part. Yes, it's it's similar to stealing you casino know. chips and those casino chip uh, thefts I and mean, heists. You, know, you could you could sell it to somebody you know for a few thousand dollars. You know what I mean? That, that you know get but to sell it for what it's worth or even half of what it's worth. She, you know who does she know? Yeah, you, you're not. Yeah, you're not gonna be able you know, to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's very difficult. She's not gonna leave town. You and know, maybe she was she, hoping the prison boyfriend would have some connections over there in the prison that could refer her to some person to fence the merchandise. That's the only thing I can yeah. guess. But I, you know, when there's, I don't want to get into debate about this, but there's been these measures that certain cities have taken to eliminate cash bail, and they claim it's to make everything equal for those who are rich and poor to where those who are poor who can't afford bail are just stuck there waiting for trial and, and people who can't afford bail uh, San Francisco, get out. Yes, and, and New York did it. The problem with this, there's a huge glaring problem. I admit it is unfair for those who are poor that they are stuck in jail and those who can afford the bail can get out. And I admit there's an inequity and it kind of sucks. However, doing it the other way is even worse. And the problem is that the less you have... I'm talking about assets. The less you have that's tying you to any particular place, the easier it is for you to just leave. And in fact, in in many cases, it makes sense why they do. So if you, especially if you don't have kids, or sometimes even if you do, but let's say you don't have kids, you don't own anything really worth anything, you don't own your house, you you don't really have a job, and you're accused of some crime that's going to put you away for a while, and then they let you out with no bail, why would you stay around and, and wait to face the music for this when you can just leave the state? And if what you did was not serious enough for them to search for you and extradite you, then you're going to get away with it. And that's the truth. Now, you can't do this if you kill someone. Then they'll, they'll find you and they'll, they'll extradite you. But a lot of other crimes, which are serious enough to put you away a while, but not serious enough to where they're going to extradite you or even look for you in other states, uh, you can just leave the state and, and often get away with it as long as you don't come back to the state that uh, you left or get in trouble in your new state so so th- that's the problem is is, is people either reoffend or they just leave and and someone who is let's say someone owns a house and they have they have a good job and they have a lot of a lot of roots where they are those people are very unlikely to run off unless it's something that's gonna really put them away a long time so, because they'd be so leaving listen. too much behind 
let me tell you something. I'm surprised you don't know about this, or maybe you talked about it on on radio. You know, when, when this occurred, this was so sad and so disgusting that uh, it it actually physically you know bothered me. I was thinking about it for a while. 2021, a waiter in Chinatown. Uh, for those that don't know, Chinatown is a, a three mile or so area that starts around Valley View and Spring Mountain, goes down to about a rainbow, a little bit uh, west of the Strip. A waiter in Chinatown, who by all accounts was a very, very good man, didn't speak English. Uh, He was here legally from China. His family was in China, and he sent almost every dime that he made to his family, to his children, and his wife back in China. He was closing up... uh, a popular restaurant around three, four in the morning in Chinatown when a guy came in, an uh, individual came in and tried to rob the store. There was no money. The money had already been taken out and he shot him 11 times and he survived, but you know, obviously multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries, uh, you know, fortunately, like he wasn't paralyzed or didn't lose a limb, but you know, like part of his intestines were removed. Like it just was bad. He's never going to be right. Never going to be able to work again. And again, by every account, his coworkers and you know, everyone never met him. Very nice, humble, hardworking guy. And he had like a menial job too. Um, you know, he was also did you know dishes and cleaning. And and you know, he, it's not like this was some guy just. He was a hardworking man. Anyhow, the guy that shot him was released on bail six days prior for assault with a deadly weapon by the bail project. And he wouldn't have been out on the streets. He was indigent. And later they determined, you know, he might have been mentally ill, you know, but he actually wasn't. He ended up either being found guilty. He went to prison for like 20 years. But anyhow, the whole point was it became a politically charged issue here in Vegas because he had he was indigent. And by all accounts, you know, he would not there would have been no way he could have posted the bail. Hence, he would have been able to, you know, commit that crime and the bail project you know, obviously released a statement saying it's a tragedy, this and that, but further investigation showed that they literally did no research on his past. They knew nothing about his, um, you know, ability or likelihood to reoffend. No one ever even met with him. They well, you just, know what? I'll, I'll tell you something else. These type of projects, uh, these type of groups, these uh, groups that will pay bail for people who can't afford it and think they're doing a good deed for the poor. Sometimes they don't even care. They are so against cash bail and they so believe that cash bail is either racist or classist or both that they say, we don't care what they're accused of. Everybody deserves to be able to get out the same way. So if a rich person can post bail, then a poor person should be able to post bail. And since the poor people can't, we're going to post it for them. And they don't stop to think about, wait a minute, what's the chance this person's going to run off? What's the chance this person's going to reoffend? What's the chance that this person might even be mentally ill to where it's it's highly likely they're going to be reoffending and and won't even uh, completely realize what they're doing? They don't care. They just they post it. They say this is not our problem. We just, we just want to be the great equalizers and make it everybody gets out, not realizing that every situation is different and that somebody 
who does have a lot to lose is much less likely to reoffend, and especially once they've posted the the bail. But uh, that the ones who are most likely to reoffend or run off are also the ones who also can't uh, afford the bail, and it just makes sense. As I said before, uh, when you're accused of something serious, if there's no roots to the area, why wouldn't you run off? So that's, uh, uh, and then it's just crazy that the fact that they do this. So while I, I agree that the bail situation, you don't think that's awful. Oh, I that, think it's terrible. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the they crime should never would have been, the crime never would have happened. No, no, I'm not saying you didn't think it was awful. That crime never would have happened if if he wasn't released from jail. Uh, Los Angeles has, has started doing this too. It's it, all these cities where the crime's getting worse and worse. And you keep seeing the same people reoffending, and then some of them are getting out either because of uh, DAs that don't want to charge them aggressively enough or at all, or because of these bail projects getting them out, or just the no cash bail at all. And uh, you're, you're just seeing more and more innocent, good people who are getting seriously hurt or killed when the ones who did it otherwise would have been rightfully sitting in jail. And in fact, look at this. We, I just told the story uh, on the last episode, or actually two episodes ago, about the uh, the forty eighty limit player who, who went by uh, the name Snowfrog at oh, uh, at, yeah. at Snowfrog. And, uh, for the Bellagio. I just played with him short shortly before this happened, and he was just senselessly murdered outside of a Target. And this was of a guy who had been arrested four times for assault and battery since twenty twenty one, and and was not in in jail. In fact, he he didn't spend a single day in jail. So. This this is a big fault. I don't remember the, the what was the motivation. Was it a robbery? No, it was it was just the the guy was uh, he said he was angry at the world and had a kill or kill be a kill or be killed mentality. Oh yeah, I remember he just that. decided to kill a random person and it happened to be this uh, poker player, a snow frog. So it was terrible. It was just just killed this uh, guy walking by Target. That's what why he, was his name Snowfrog? I never quite mean? determined the Snowfrog thing, but he legally changed his name to Snowfrog. I never did. I did. I didn't even know that when I played with him either. But uh, I, when I saw a picture of him, I recognized him as, as uh, someone I had played with uh, a number of times in 2023. So, and he was a nice guy. You know, I, I didn't talk with him very much, but uh, he seemed like a nice guy. But uh, such a senseless murder. And his brother was messaging me because I was the one talking about it the most on social media, and his brother felt the same way I did about the uh, the whole thing with this guy even being out to commit the crime in the first place. I mean, it's 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 uh, so. There's a lot of undercharging. It's a, there's, if you take a look, if you take an honest look at the violent crime that is committed in any city, you will see that the ones who are committing it are committing it over and over. It's a small percentage of the population who are committing most of the crime. So the solution is not to keep finding excuses to kick these people back out on the streets. If it's a very small percentage of the population who's committing most of the violent crime, then the solution is to keep them off the streets, not find reasons to keep them on the streets. So this this is an example of it. And yeah. you now here's someone. We've just thrown someone on yeah. here. Here's someone that I would not mind having on the streets, even on my street. Trader Risky, hello. What's happening, fellas? Jesus, you're waking up at three thirty in the morning now. <clears throat> well, I'm normally up at four, so I got up. I'm like, ah, the show's on. Wow. Text lot to do today, so get an early start. He gets up yeah, earlier and earlier for you today. He he gets up earlier. At, you know, like he used to get up at five and go, "Oh my god, Trader Risky gets up at five. Then he started getting up at like four thirty. Then it became four. Now it's three thirty. I bet in twenty twenty seven I'll be doing this show, 
and you'll call in at, at 1 a.m. having having woken up for the day at 1. Do you think that's possible? I don't know about all that. I don't think that's possible, but 3.30 is not bad. <laughs> I don't know anybody who routinely wakes up at 3.30, except if they have like a a job that has really strange hours where they have to be at work at something like 5 a.m. I've just, I, I don't know anybody else who gets up at that time. Yeah, that's pretty early. Well, I have Jesus. a standing 5.15 call, so I got to, you know, like to get up, just get a little ready for that. Okay, well, it, you know, it helps with this show because we're always on at 3.30. So. And you know what? I'm going to be fading soon, so it's good, it's good that it's, you'll have somebody here with you. It's like the tag team uh, event. What other, what other Vegas topics do we have? Okay, so I, I, I want to talk. How are you doing, buddy? I'm sorry. Trader Ruski, I, I, being rude. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Okay. Um, yeah, doing well. <laughs> He's doing well. Okay. I want to talk about the pop-up casino that showed up and is something that is actually legal. It's a weird situation. It's, it's actually occurred before, but I hadn't heard about this casino, it's the whole situation with it, until it happened in 2023. Yeah, I that too. That's yeah, well, funny. I actually found this one it on my... It every two years. Yeah, I actually found this one, uh, I think, on my own as well. I know you also sent it to me. The This is a very weird story. So the casino that popped up it appeared on the site of the former nightclub called The Beach. And it was only up for eight hours on uh, May 23rd. And it was actually in a tent. And it was there for eight hours and then gone. So it went from nothing to a tent being there with gaming machines in there, like video poker. And you could play these machines. It worked like a real casino with a real cashier and everything. It was there for eight hours, and then it closed down and it was gone. So why would they ever do that? And this was totally legal, and gaming approved it. So this wasn't just some uh, operation where they threw up a tent and hoped that uh, they wouldn't be caught running an illegal casino. This was a legal casino that was up for eight hours. So why would they ever have something like this? Well, Marriott has what's known as a non-restricted gaming license. And what's good about this non-restricted gaming license is that it does not require the license to have to do with being on a resort property. And the license is grandfathered. So I guess uh, this is not easy to get, or maybe impossible to get now, if you want a gaming license that's non-restricted, but you don't have a resort property. But if you already have one, like Marriott did, then you are allowed to keep it, provided it doesn't expire. And that's where all this comes in. So... If you don't offer any gaming for 24 months, then it expires. So even if you try to renew it, they'll say, no, you haven't offered any gaming. If, if you don't you make use of the license, we're not going to let you renew it. So every two years, what they have to do is quickly throw up this tent casino, and they have to get permission to. They can't just put it up there. They actually get, have to get permission to start a pop-up casino and then run it for, I don't know if it has to be eight hours, but they run it for eight hours. And then that qualifies... Oh, it has to be eight. Okay, That's so... Part of, yeah, yeah I, was, I figured it probably did. Otherwise, why, why make it eight? So it has to, I guess it has to be running for eight hours, and then they've fulfilled the requirements, but then still, it's not automatic that they're going to get it extended, but then at least they have uh, fulfilled that part of the requirement, because if they don't do that, then they lose it for sure. So the Beach Nightclub... If you haven't been to it recently, there's a good reason. 
It's because it has been closed for 17 years. I actually remember it from when I lived in Vegas, but uh, it, it was a long time ago when I last saw it operating. I never went inside, but I used to drive by it and see it. I actually lived very close to there at one point. So it's on Convention Center Drive. It's been closed since 2006. And Century Gaming Technologies, who was uh, going to be operating this pop-up casino, they asked Nevada Gaming for permission to run this pop-up casino on the site of the beach on behalf of Marriott in order to preserve the license. So the request was granted. This is the 10th time that the request was granted and that this occurred since 2006. I don't know why I haven't heard of this until uh, 2023, but, uh, but I did. Uh, ga- gaming, however, is getting tired of this. They told Marriott that they have to quit doing this, that they're not going to just keep renewing it over and over like this with these pop-up casinos, that it's getting ridiculous. And they said that Marriott has to come up with a plan soon for developing the land. Otherwise, uh, pretty soon they're going to say, no, you can't do this anymore. However, they stopped short of saying this is the last time. They warned this has to stop sometime in the not-too-distant future, but they didn't say, okay, next time you try this in 2025, we're going to say no. But uh, they're, they're just basically putting it out there that Marriott just can't expect this to go on for perpetuity. And at some point, they're going to say no fairly soon. Have you seen uh, the Twitter user named uh, Melts Vegas, M-E-L-T-Z Vegas? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, like, a, more. he's like a Vegas guy who tweets about stuff uh, with casinos and stuff in Vegas. So he's not he's not like he's not anywhere nearly as big as Vital Vegas, but uh kind of along the same lines. I uh, haven't. Yeah, so so he actually went there and he posted some pictures of it. He tweeted, "I did it. Visited the Marriott Pop-Up Casino next to Piero's. The Pop-Up Casino was everything I expected. I donated $20 just for the experience, meaning he lost 20 in the machines. Here's a close-up of the bonus poker pay table, which uh spoiler alert wasn't very good." <laughs> And yeah, the someone named Table Play on Vegas Casino Talk, where I posted about this, pointed out how bad the pay tables were. He said uh, one of these pay tables had a ninety-four uh, percent return rate, which is absolutely horrendous for video poker. It's not just bad; it's horrendous. What was it? What 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 what, what were the like? What were? Is it obviously not? Was it like eight to five or something? This this was an an eight five. Uh, uh, Double bonus poker. It was a one one three five eight ten twenty five. So it was it was wow. pretty bad. Yeah. But, uh, so apparently this happens every two years. I don't know how I've been uh, missing it all this time, but I, I saw a lot being posted about it this time. Maybe just no one took an interest in it until twenty twenty three. Maybe that's why I didn't hear about it. But that that's. I think I would have gone. I don't know if I would have played uh, these horrible video poker machines. But uh, well, if you're gonna go, you're gonna throw a twenty. And maybe you're not gonna stand around. I mean, you know. I might stand around. You don't. You don't know. Like, uh, I, th- I, oh. I think if I saw machines that bad, it would be kind of, it would be a duel inside my head. There'd be the side of me that wants to just for the novelty throw a twenty in and play, and then there'd be the other side of me, and that side of me yeah. would feel like I'm throwing away money, and because they don't have to make the pay tables that bad the is the gambling point. the gambling trough on one shoulder and then the other shoulder that reminds me trough. that reminds me of a funny story <laughs> the first time i ever met trader ruski it was during radio in 2000 
14 and I went down to the Tropicana where he was staying during radio and we had some PF Changs. We ate it. Then the radio ended. We went downstairs and he showed me this uh, video poker machine that he loved and that he played that that was his machine. And it was, I, it was this video poker. I don't know. I've never seen it anywhere else. It's this video poker game where you get a four of a kind and then you get like a card and then the card, like, you know, do you remember this game, Trederuski? With the cards? Yeah. yeah. Like a bingo card. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever it is. You know, but, but it's not like straight video poker. I mean, you know, or in terms of pay, like there's five extra credits added or ten. And then whatever it is. You hit a four of a kind. You get like a wheel spin maybe. That's what it was. I don't know, something. So anyhow. He's no, playing you have to pick a card, right? I okay, yeah, 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 okay. So he's playing it. And then, you know, I see him the next night. I come over and hang out. And he's playing it that next trip. And there's one, like, two machines down, but he never plays that one because this is his lucky machine over and over. And then one day someone happened to be playing that, the machine he plays. So he went to the unlucky one or the one he never played. And that one had this, it was the same exact game, okay, but instead of eight to five, it was it was ten to six. <laughs> the Oops. same exact game. I'm shocked said, that it was oh, right next to each other like that. Wow. I said, don't ever tell Jeff. You'll get to the end of it. And I kept this secret for nine years. Uh, remember this, Trader Risky? I remember. We pulled the 4K card twice. Yeah. No, we did. We, you killed that game. My wife, um, my wife picked it once. Yeah. Great. Well, I was not. Yeah. But anyhow, um, I never saw that game anywhere. I'm gonna, I have to assume it got yanked. You know, it, it was in beta or something. I've never seen this. It's like a bingo card. Well, you you want to hear something? This cards. reminds me of something of something that, that's been found fairly recently. At least when I say found. I mean, it, like it's been discussed on on the Vegas Casino Talk site. And I hadn't really seen it before, so I don't know when it showed up. But it's. Have you heard of Fortune X video poker? No, that's relatively new. I, I just saw a video of a, it in some casino. Yeah, I think yeah, I think California it is relatively new. So, yeah, revealed. so it's it's uh, it's it like tur- a combination of Ultimate X and something else, right? Yeah, so it's kind it's of- uh, it's actually about even as far as what it does to your overall odds. It just adds a lot of variance. It actually very slightly improves the odds. So, like a for example, a nine six double double bonus game, which is normally a ninety eight point ninety eight percent return with Perfect Play, would become ninety nine point oh one. So it's almost neutral tiny bit better but the variance is way higher but here's the crazy thing most of the winning is through these multipliers and uh, so it, it's what happens is that a multiplier will come on 11 percent of the time not exactly 11 percent because it'll be varied it's by random number generators but it'll average 11 percent of the time of how often the multiplier comes on so if it's a hand with a multiplier then you're dealt the hand, so you you don't get to hold cards yet, but you see what was dealt to you, and then you can choose to accept the two times multiplier, or you can reject it knowing that the next multiplier, which will be the very next hand, will be three times instead. So, for example, let's say you were dealt a royal flush. Well, of course, then you would hold the whole thing and, and take the two times. Uh, if you're dealt complete shit, then it's obvious that you would uh, pass and knowing that it's going to be next time three times. So, then if on the three times round, if you've rejected the two, then if, again, you don't want to accept it, then the next hand is going to be five. Then if you don't like what you're dealt for the five times multiplier, you can reject that, and then it will become an eight times multiplier. And then if you don't like that, you can reject that, and it'll become a 12 times 
multiplier. So, of course, the skill in this, aside from just knowing how to play video poker in general, which is the same strategy as it would be in a normal video poker game, the, the skill here is to know when you should accept these multipliers. So it turns out that uh, you should reject the two times unless you've been dealt a full house or better, the four times unless it's a flush or better, the five times unless it's a three of a kind or better, and same with the eight times. And uh, and I'm talking about for uh, things like double-double bonus poker for other variants, of course, that's different. So um, you, you have to keep that in mind. And then there's, there's a few other little uh, things you have to figure out. Basically, someone calculated the exact EV you need of each dealt hand to accept the multiplier. I won't bother listing them all here, but uh, I, I posted about it on, on Vegas Casino Talk. But the amazing thing about this game here, to show you how much these multipliers matter, on the hand you don't get a multiplier, what would you think the average return is for perfect play? On a game that is normally 98.98% return, what would it become with these multipliers? Because the reason this the return gets worse is you have to put in double the coin in to enable this feature. So what would normally be like a $5 video poker becomes a $10 video poker. I would say it's probably in like in the high mid to high 80s. No, would you believe it's 31.4%? Oh my god, that bad? Yeah, so if you don't get a multiplier, you're going to lose almost 70% on average of what you're putting in. And that uh, See, the problem with a game like that is I don't those games ever last because people just get tired of losing and they stop playing. Yes, like, so you, you, you're really, like, really counting on the multiplier big time. Obscene. Yeah, it, it's totally obscene. obscene. And do you know what the what the I me mean, obviously you know pay table is different, but do you know with perfect strategy and like the best we'll just say quarter or I got you know we'll say dollar because obviously the higher the domination you can find better pay tables. So a dollar. Ultimate X machine with perfect strategy. Do you have any idea what the hold is on that? Well, it depends what what variant it is. That's that's a lot of it too. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Double double. No, but which one? A nine six double double or the ten six? There's a lot of different that that affects it. What 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 do you get? What? Well, that's what I said. Well, I don't I don't have all that in front of me. No, I I don't I don't have that memorized. Okay, so listen. If you were if you were at the Gold Coast or a locals place somewhere in Vegas where you're going to find the best. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is that a cl- somewhere is it a close to beatable game where the fact you're putting in those extra credits, no matter what, are they always going to kill? No, it doesn't. I was saying with that, with that, like with this game, for example, I know you were talking about Ultimate X, but with this game, for example, uh, this actually doesn't bring down your EV. It actually slightly increases it. It just makes the variance much worse. Uh, and then there's there's some other things like 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 super times pay and double super times pay, they also increase your odds, but, but right. uh, make the variance worse. I guess what I'm saying is, is there any variant of Ultimate X, if you find the right pay table, that it is profitable? Or, you know, with, with you know... That's a good question. Option, I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if there's any that, that, that are running that are like that. Uh, and the other problem is that when they talk about the return for video poker, that's a theoretical return where you have to absolutely never make a mistake on anything. That means uh, yeah. n- not seeing something wrong, not misclicking, not uh, not not just having a, a minor strategy error that you don't know. So there's a lot of different ways that you could not play perfectly. So you've got to account that too. This isn't you're you're not just assigning an AI to play perfectly. You know what? This you find interesting. I'll find the link if you want to read about it. Speaking of video poker, 
There is a company that just started heavily marketing their business model, and they're soliciting to, I don't know if they have any clients yet, they probably do, but they're soliciting to basically every casino in the United States, and they've invented a program that Sorry. would that would interact through the player's card of the customer, and this will tell the casinos basically the fish and the in video poker and the people that are playing either close or just about perfect strategy and then give them the ability to market really hard to the most awful video play poker players in the world uh, or, or you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. customers and then disincentivize the good players. Well, there's, there's, off there's the so there's a lot of problems with this potentially. So, uh, first of all, I can tell you that uh, they already were doing this, but in a different form, in a more primitive form, where they were. Uh, and I, I know this because I, I'm not going to say who it is. You may who know who it is, but don't say it if you don't. But someone I know, it's not me. I'm not using this for code for myself. But uh, some, Ken Scaler. Some no. Okay. So someone I know got a new card at a uh, casino and was running video poker, did it properly, but ran awful and quit and uh, just felt like, oh, what a waste of time. Uh, they, they were actually trying to get a certain status. They just didn't even come close to getting there. And so they lost like low four figures and quit after not much play. And uh, they just figured they wasted the money. And then they started getting these offers a few months later that were – very good, not spectacular. They weren't getting like $5,000 offers, but they were getting offers that were good enough to where within a pretty short time, they were able to collect back in free play what they lost and then thousands more. And what had happened was not only was it because it was a new card, but also because it was a new card and they ran so awful that the computer erroneously believed that they were just a huge video poker fish because how could you have lost but this much money? Playing, they were playing correct? They were playing correct and just ran terribly, yes. So oh, wow. so the, the computer believed that uh, to lose this much... How would, I know who this per- how would I know who this is? I, I thought I may have told you. I, I'll tell you off the air oh, who no, it was. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, but, but, uh, but anyway, the, the computer probably... Now, I can't say for sure because I didn't program the computer or see the program, but I have to imagine that what happened here... In part, there were other factors into it too, but the, in, in part was that this person lost so much in such a short time that it, that their win rate was so terrible that it figured they couldn't be playing correctly because they really well, ran us down in the bed. knows what you're No, playing. I know. That's why I called it a primitive version because it, it, it yeah, couldn't yeah, see yeah, how they were right. playing. So, so but, now, but here's the problem with the new version you're talking about. The problem is that advantage players can exploit this by having new cards made of uh, friends, family, whatever – and then purposely playing really bad at the beginning and then getting offers and then collecting the free play and, and, and ditching. So yeah. that's, uh, that's the vulnerability. It would have to be yeah, over a longer right, period. Right, but is a free play going to likely exceed what you, as much as you'd have to lose to show that you're terrible? Often it will, yeah. So that's what they have oh, to be okay. careful. They had to be careful. It's not th- this definitely has an application, and especially for the long term, if they see that someone just keeps coming and, and sucking big time and this and a program is analyzing their actual play and, and verifying they're not just running bad or that it's not just variance, they're not just playing a high-variance game like the one I just described, but they're just, they just suck and they're destined to lose a ton in video poker because they suck, uh, then 
that is useful information for the casino to know. They just have to have a big enough sample size over a long enough time, I would think, to where advantage players aren't exploiting it. Because believe me, when whenever these new things come out that will aim offers at uh, certain types of people that are preferred customers that are seen as the fish of the casinos, advantage players respond by finding ways to exploit this and, and trick the casino into thinking that they are one of those fish. And then uh, they get all the good offers and milk them as much as they can. And then uh, eventually the casino catches on and uh, the offer stops. So I, I'm very curious to see what will eventually happen with that. I, I had wondered like when this will eventually occur that they're able to analyze your strategy. And that, of course, in Blackjack, they've been doing that for a long time by hand. This goes back many decades that they would have the pit boss watching you and you would be rated anywhere from basic strategy or better, meaning someone who at the very least plays basic strategy or maybe is a card counter. So it's one category called basic strategy or better, all the way down to, I forgot the name of it, but basically referring to a, a total fish that doesn't know what they're doing. And uh, I actually had a friend... Uh, about 20 years ago, that got tremendous offers from New York, New York, because he just ran really bad at blackjack, and it was the first time they had seen him, and he made some plays because of the count, and they didn't understand that that's why he was making these plays, which looked wrong. So not only did they not rate him basic strategy or better, they the the pit boss rated well, like, him. What do you mean, like like hitting, like standing against? Like a face card or something. Yeah, like, yeah, things you know, like things like like yeah, the things like standing against uh, yeah, fourteen and fifteen when normally you would you, you shouldn't and things right, like right, that. Right. So so he, these aren't like super egregious mistakes. It's not like he's standing on eleven or something crazy like that. But but uh, they they saw him doing things they thought were incorrect because they didn't understand he was counting. And then also he lost a shitload of money because he ran really bad. And again, when I say shitload, I don't mean he lost tens of thousands. You know, he maybe lost uh, you know. Three four thousand dollars there, so they thought at New York, New York that the, the, the person, the pit boss, just rated him on the lowest category of the biggest fish, and he was getting these great offers until they caught on to it. So, so they've been doing this at the table games that have strategy like blackjack for a while, just by the pit boss observing people, and just that one pit boss at New York, New York was stupid back then. But uh, I, I had wondered when machines would catch up and that they would analyze this and, and let the casino know. But as I said, there is the vulnerability that people will will fake this in order to get good offers. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with it. Do you, do you know when this is going to start taking place and where? No, I don't. There, like I said, they were just soliciting. Like, I mean, they just were promoting their new site, and it was like it was their website. I okay. So I didn't like list any customers they have or anything like that. No. Okay. Well, yeah. when we move on to the next topic, uh, we've got uh, two more Vegas things to talk about. We're going to talk about a tipping issue. Too bad we don't have Vital Vegas on here. I know he'd like to talk about tipping in Vegas, but uh, this is something that actually he did bring up. So I will give him credit for bringing this to my attention through his Twitter. And this is about a new steakhouse in Las Vegas that's not on the Strip. It's aimed at locals. It's called Prime 141, and they are charging a 22% service charge so this is similar to when you have a big party and they charge you an 18% auto tip, except there's some differences. This is not just for a big party. This is for anybody who eats there it has to uh, pay this 22% service charge. And they are encouraging, but not banning, tipping. Or no tipping, that is. That's the, Wait, they're encouraging no They're no encouraging t- tipping? They're encouraging, they're encouraging uh, yeah, no let, tipping? Me, let me say this again. They, they are encouraging, and because of this 22%, they are encouraging no tipping. So you can tip if you want, 
but they actually tell you that this isn't necessary. So people don't have to feel bad, like, oh, well, I'm leaving no tip, I got to leave something. They make it clear that while you're not prohibited from leaving a tip, that you don't have to. And so this is what it says. This is actually posted by Vital Vegas on his Twitter back on uh, May 8th. Valued guest, please read, it says on the menu at Prime 141. A 22% service charge will be added to your bill that goes towards livable wages, paid time off, and health benefits for our entire team. Tipping is not, it says in all caps, expected. But for our guests who insist... 100% of gratuity is shared amongst the kitchen, dining, and bar staff who work as a team to provide excellent service, beverage, and food. So so basically what they're saying here is you don't have to tip. If you really want to, we're not going to stop you. That's why they put for those who insist. So they're not even saying this in a coded way. They're saying, well, if you insist, you really have to tip fine, and we're just letting you know that if you do tip, it's not going to just go to the waiter. It's going to be distributed amongst all the staff here to share, but that we're not taking any of it. So there's a few problems here. So they're justifying this. This 22% is already kind of high for a forced uh, tip or service charge, or what do you want to call it? But here's the problem already. Let's listen again, the beginning of uh, what it says. A 22% service charge will be added to your bill that goes towards livable wages, paid time off, and health benefits for our entire team. So on the surface, that sounds great. Oh, good. So the staff there now gets health care, which they usually don't at a restaurant. Uh, uh, they get paid time off if they need to uh, take days off for whatever reason, being sick or whatever. And they get, quote, livable wages, which means they're not paying the minimum wage and expecting them to support themselves on tips. So at first you may say, oh, yeah, this sounds generous. They're, they're making you pay a 22% service charge, which is a little higher than what most people would be tipping on a bill. But look at the great things they're doing for their employees. But hold on a second. They said it goes toward livable wages. Not that all of the service charge goes to all of these things. It goes toward it. That could mean anything. That could mean... Wait, I'm sorry. You lost me. Where, where is the money going? They claim it is going, quote, toward. That's a very big word here. Livable wages, paid time off, and health benefits for their employees. The problem is you don't know how much of that is going and how much they're pocketing. They're not guaranteeing that every penny they collect from the service charge is going to these yeah, benefits. Who cares? I mean, that's you know, you're tipping. It's you don't have to worry about it. I mean, that now that's kind of well. No, I I do worry about it. It's a see. This is a problem because if it's a high end place like that, obviously they're working there because. You know, it's a nice steakhouse, you're saying? It's a high no, I, th- I think you're missing my point here. If there's a 22% service charge, and they say every bit we collect of this service charge is going to these benefits that people don't normally get who work in restaurants. So now our waiters also have health care. Now our waiters also will have paid time off. Now our waiters also are getting paid a higher wage. And every bit of this 22% we're charging you is going to something for them. That would be a little bit different, though I would still be against it because, uh, um, you know, that's 22% is pretty high and uh, uh, that I'd still be against that, but it's not as bad. But here, they may be pocketing some of that 22%, the business. They're not guaranteeing that they're not. They're saying it goes toward that, not that all of it goes to that. And 
I'm very right, on the next line. They say a hundred percent of the act of the tip you insist on goes to right, and that, that, so that's that a great point. Mean, that's a great point. Yeah. Right, that's a great point. Trader well, what did you well, uh, you broke up? What was it? He was saying that the, there's two parts to this statement. The first part is explain, explaining that the 22 percent surcharge goes towards these uh, benefits for the employees, but then they clarify that if you want to leave an additional tip on your own on top of that, that all of that money will go to the various employees there, that they're not pocketing any of it. So it's interesting that for the money you leave on top of the 22%, they're guaranteeing all of that is going to go towards their employees, but the 22%, they're not saying how much of that they're pocketing. So the fact that they're not assuring you that they're pocketing zero of it really makes me think that this is a way for the restaurant to pocket even more money. It's, it's a way for them to put a 22% increase on the posted prices and then have you walk away thinking, well, okay, this is in place of a tip. And look look how it's helping the waiters, the kitchen staff, all the employees here. This is helping them. Okay, I feel good about myself. Except some of that 22% might be pocketed by the restaurant because they don't deny that that's what they're doing. And I would think if all of it's going to them, they would say so. So, And Trey Ruski pointed out that they mentioned that anything you leave above that will all go to the staff. So how come for the 22% they don't mention that too? Probably because it's not. So that is uh, a problem to me. And that's they're getting all kinds of hate online because of this. So I don't know if they're going to change the policy. It's a new steakhouse. So I, I think this is a bad way to start off. <laughs> what is it called again? It's called Prime 141. Okay. So I would think it's a bad way to start off with this this, this radical new tipping policy that's going to uh, that's getting people angry. So the problem is people aren't getting angry for the same reason I am. What people don't like is that uh, either that they think the twenty two percent is too high and is obnoxious, or that uh, they feel like uh, you know the, you can't you can't tip your waiters, or if you do, you've already paid twenty two percent, you're not going to want to tip them enough. It's just the whole thing seems so non standard. They were getting killed on social media over this. So I don't know if they're going to keep this. But this reminds me somewhat of the situation on cruise ships. And I've talked about this before on the show, but I'll quickly go over it again. When you go on a cruise these days, and it's been this way for a while, at least a decade on most lines, where there is a daily, what they call gratuity, where it's like $14 per person per day, that is supposed to be going to all the staff on the ship combined. It's like a, a tip for everyone, even those that you don't end up interacting with. And even if you're okay with that, even if you're okay with that you're tipping people you're never going to see, the problem here is that you're not. What the cruise lines are doing, and when I say cruise lines, I mean all of them. Anyone that has this forced tip, they all do the same thing. They just pocket the money and use it to pay them. That's all they do, because the only requirement is that these cruise ship employees make a certain wage, which is called the maritime minimum wage, which is much lower than the U.S. minimum wage. And as long as what is paid to them on every pay period meets this maritime minimum wage, that's the only requirement they have. It doesn't matter how they get there. It doesn't matter if they get there from actual salary or from tips. So what you think are tips are just allowing the cruise lines to zero their salary and basically pay them the same thing. So all you're doing is uh, is taking over the responsibility from the cruise line to pay their employees. So you're not really tipping. And I figured this out by going through the language of their statements and then by uh, consulting certain people that uh, I know in the cruise industry 
And uh, anyway, I found out this was the case. And I revealed this on some uh, online cruise communities. And boy, were the people pissed off. And when I say people, I mean people who are like frequent cruisers were furious at me and told me I'm wrong and called me names. And you know why? Because they've been going on so many cruises for the past decade and feeling good that they're tipping these low-wage third-world employees by using this auto-tip, which you're, it's automatically on your room, and unless you remove it, then it's always there. But they felt okay with themselves for not giving these people tips because they're, they have the auto-tip. So if they were to believe what I said, even though it's not their fault, they felt so bad about themselves that it was easier to believe I was just full of shit. But it's a very similar concept to where you believe you're tipping but in reality, most of it's being pocketed, or at least some of it's being pocketed by the business. That's what I'm guessing may be going on here. And if it's not, then Prime 141 should clarify this and guarantee that every bit of this service charge is going directly to these benefits and that they are not keeping one penny of it. And if they don't say that, then it's one of those situations where what someone does not say tells you a lot more than what they do say. I actually wish that the U.S. tipping culture was more like Europe. I've said this many times. I don't like the U.S. tipping culture. It's very arbitrary. You have positions that make way too much money thanks to tips, and you have positions that make too little money that aren't tip positions. So you have people who are doing unskilled labor or semi-skilled labor or skills that are very easy to learn that... uh, some making way more money than they really should be, and others that are making way, way less because it happens to not be customer-facing in a way where they get tips. So it's very weird how certain service people you're expected to tip and certain ones not, and it's dumb. Really, just everybody should be paid a fair wage for what job they're doing. And I wish it was like that in all industries. In Europe, not only is it in the culture to not have the same type of tipping going on, but they actually have laws about it, and then in return, these people are paid better. So they're not being paid minimum wage because they're not getting tips, so they're getting paid more. And this just makes the whole thing more fair. And like those those forced tips on the cruise ship, for example, that's uh, not allowed. If, if, uh, like if Europeans book a U.S.-based cruise, like with Norwegian or Princess or whatever, they're actually not allowed to charge it, even though they're charging American passengers on that same cruise. Otherwise, it's violating laws of uh, these European countries. So I respect Europe for that. I, I, I think just everybody should be paid an appropriate wage for the job they're doing, and not more, not less. If they get more, great for them, but I'm just seeing in general that everybody should be paid a fair wage. And uh, it shouldn't just be arbitrary that certain people get overpaid and others get underpaid. So I, I think the tipping thing's gotten way, way out of control. And uh, so I, I don't know if this restaurant's trying to start a new trend with this or maybe they think they're doing the right thing or maybe they think this is a sneaky thing where they can keep some of the money i, I don't know what this is but whatever it is it's not landing very well people don't like this on social media so i don't know if they'll stick to yeah, it yeah i would imagine not huh now when you talk about this maritime cruiseways like is that for even american-owned companies like carnival or you know whatever? yes yes because they're not actually on american soil they're you know at the ocean in international waters so they only have to adhere to the maritime minimum wage, which is very low. When you say minimum wage, is that like like food servers, bartenders? What 
what are the most minimum common minimum wage? I mean, I know like the lower end, like housekeepers, things like. It's that. actually almost everybody, almost everybody on the ship that you interact with or see, other than the positions which are clearly higher. Any kind of manager, obviously, the officers make good money there, but the uh, uh, just any kind of regular employee, which includes the the room stewards, the I, uh, the waiters, the the. I forget. I forget because it's been a while for me. When you go on a cruise and say you order a drink. Is it? Are you expected or required to tip the bartender? So that is. Alcoholic. So that's actually a complicated question. So there's these packages you can buy these days. Back back in the old days on cruises, it used to be that the alcohol was the way they would really get you because the alcohol was never included and you'd have to pay a fortune. And the drunks that would go on the cruise would just spend so much on alcohol. They have since addressed that by selling alcoholic beverage packages. And then when you get one of those packages, even if you get one included, sometimes it comes included as a promotion, but even if you get this, then you still have to pay what they call an 18% gratuity on whatever the package is worth. But, and this is something else I found out along the same lines of what I was talking about before, they basically pocket that 18% gratuity. It doesn't really go to the staff. The same bullshit. However, if you put an additional tip on top of that, that does go to the staff there. So that Wait, the, it goes to the it goes to that exact person, or is it pooled? It, it, it varies, but it, it they don't pocket it at the cruise lines. So okay, so I I go to the fancy steakhouse or the fancy Italian restaurant. Am I same question? Am I expected or required to tip the server? You're not expected at all to tip anybody. That's what the serve. That's what's such so fraudulent on there is that they include service charges on everything. If you get a dining package, if you get a uh, uh, a drink package, whatever, then they include a service charge on there. You're not expected to tip, but then in the cruise line pockets all of that. So you really aren't tipping. So if I handed, if I had a you know nice expensive steak dinner and I tipped, I gave her three $20 bills, tip $60. What does she do with that money? Oh, she keeps it. She keeps it. And if, and if you... For her personal. Yes, yes. For her personal. That okay. she would personally keep it. And if you write it into the bill that she gets a tip... Then I think then it's shared, but I know that if you leave an additional tip, the cruise line does not pocket any of that. Then it goes either shared the way they have it designated, or uh, or or the server keeps it themselves. Right. That I'm not sure about, but I know the cruise line pockets yeah, none of that. These things you still enjoy cruising so much. Well, but you you just have to understand it all. If you understand everything going in, then you can make your own decisions the way you handle it. Right, but if you disagree with the way the amount the money is dispersed, and you feel like certain employees are getting taken advantage of, well, I don't think they're getting of... taken advantage. Well, okay, I think it's dishonest. Uh, the truth is, though, these are very highly coveted jobs because it's mostly third world uh, employees on there who are getting free room and board, and they are sending the money back home typically to their families. These are very coveted jobs. There's a big line to get these jobs. In, in the third world. So these are people who are not feeling exploited in any way. They're very happy to have these jobs. It's much better than what they can typically get at home. So um, as long as they know what they're getting into. See, the, the only people being tricked are the passengers. The, the, the employees are very aware of what's going on. It's, it's, and, they, and they don't care. They're still happy to have the job. The, the passengers are being tricked into believing they're tipping when they're not. And so the solution to this is just opt out of whatever tips you can opt out of. Some of them you can, some of them, some, some of them you can't. 
and then and then go leave tips of whoever you interact with. So if you opt out of those and then use that money you saved to tip people on the ship who make your experience good, whoever it might be, or even if you want Would to be. Do you feel safe in today's climate because of you know close quarters, the coronavirus still you know maybe not as much prevalent as it's been, but it's still there. Would you? feel comfortable going on a cruise right now? Yes, I was just discussing this recently, and the answer is yes. Uh, what was keeping me away from it before was they were doing random testing on board for COVID, and even if you were asymptomatic, they would confine you to your room like a prison and not let you leave for more than like a few 10-minute spurts every day to go get fresh air outside. That's the only way they let you leave. I remember there were people tweeting about yes. it like that were there. Like, yeah. So you'll be confined like a prisoner. And I said, there's no fucking way I'm going here. There's something out of my control getting COVID that I'm going to be confined like a prisoner. Now, when I got COVID last year at the World Series, I was not confined anywhere. I, I self-confined and, uh, and stayed in the room, but I was not held as prisoner. I just uh, was a person who didn't want to be a jerk and give people COVID and I stayed away from people as much as I could, but I was not being held prisoner. And, and that's a huge difference. For, and also, you're on a ship versus uh, um, you know, somewhere on land where you can just leave. So imagine being on a ship, and they're actually confining you, which they have a right to do, to your room. So I said, there's no fucking way I'm going to go to where I'll actually be confined. Well, they have a legal right? They have a legal right to do that? You're yes, saying? yes. It's like in the terms of service or something? Yeah, okay. yes. So... They did away with this from what I... Now, I think if you went to them and said, hey, guys, I have COVID, then they might still do that. But aside from you volunteering that you have COVID, I'm hearing that they're not doing the random testing anymore, which means what you would do if you got COVID on a cruise ship, of course, would suck. But you, you would do basically what I did when I got it at the World Series. Just, you know, just stay away from people and be responsible, but you're, you're not a prisoner. So, yes, there's a higher chance you'll catch COVID there than on some other vacation options. But the truth is, the way I cruise, I don't get with the big crowds typically anyway. I, I go to the specialty restaurants that have a much smaller crowd and you're much more spaced out. Uh, I don't hang around on the public decks. I just sit on my own balcony. Um, when I go do excursions, I do my own private excursions, whether it's uh, me driving myself around or, or hiring a driver if that's the better option or a, a private tour guide for me and my family. So I'm not going in these buses with tons of people. So my chance of catching it is less than the average passenger anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I'm willing you to take plans to go on a cruise this year or early or mid. I, I don't have any right now, but, uh, but I just recently decided that it's something I'm willing to do again. And, and would like to do this has been a while and I haven't decided, you know, where it would be, but yeah, I would do it again and just, yeah, I hope I didn't get COVID. And of course, there's other you things. You've been on one, right? So pre or post COVID? No, I haven't because of these reasons. I, I did not want any chance of being confined like a prisoner. Yeah, it's one thing to say, well, they can confine you if you've broken a law or whatever, and they they're, they're holding you until they can hand you over to law enforcement. But yeah, that's within my control. But getting COVID is not within my control. So I, I was not going to be imprisoned in any way on a vacation because I caught uh, a, a, a virus. So. But anyway, that that's uh, that's been done away with, so that's why I would consider it again. Okay, so this is the end of part one. This is the compromise because I haven't had time to edit this very long nine-hour show. I've had a lot of things to do. It's World Series time, and 
I just couldn't get it all in with all the editing that was needed here for this show. But I didn't want it to get too old. I didn't want to post it so many days after I recorded it. So what I've done here is, I know some of you are going to hate this, but I've split it up into part one and part two. So what you're listening to right now is part one, and it's over. But we have a lot of topics that we have for part two. In fact, part two is going to be longer than this one. Part two is probably going to be about five hours or so. And that will come in a few days. Projected release date of part two will be around June 12th, Monday, June 12th, or thereabouts. Just wanted to give you guys something to listen to on the weekend so it doesn't get to be too long. I know some of you have been asking, where's the archives, where's the archives, or where's the archives, should be the way you ask it. But I've gotten a lot of questions about where it is, and they're valid questions. I've been taking too long to post them, so this is the way I'm getting it up faster. Otherwise, you'd be waiting for a few more days, and I don't think you want that. I want to thank Brandon Drexel-Gerson for being part of the show, as you heard. He'll be heard a little bit in part two, but for the most part, I am flying solo on that one. So I hope you enjoyed this appearance by Brandon Gerson and a little bit by Trader Ruski. And then stay tuned for part two that will have several topics, including Hustler Casino Live's Million Dollar Game coverage, as well as other World Series topics that I have not thrown into part one yet, but were recorded when we did the show live for about nine hours or so, live from Las Vegas. So give it a few days, we'll have part two up, and then a new show will be right around the corner. Thank you for listening, thank you for your patience, and Shalom.